Hey y'all, we're going to be going live in just a minute um, Trying to get through some technical difficulties Of course stuff will go on right before it's time to go live But that just means the message is going to be powerful
All right, let's go ahead and do it. So um, <clears throat> last week on the show, right, we got a comment that asked, should Christians obey the Ten Commandments? We didn't have time to get to it uh, last week, but we definitely about to go deep into it today. It's time for the cross. Let's go. Yo, what's going on? How y'all doing out there? Anthony, how you doing, brother? I'm doing all right, brother, man. It's a long day, but we getting this in. <laughs> oh, man. What's, what's been going on? I'm assuming man, church, just, right? Yeah, man. Just, uh, you know, church stuff, counselings, all kinds of stuff, man. But I'm excited about this one. I yeah. can't wait to get into it. <laughs> awesome, man. You and me both, man. Uh, this question just keeps coming up about... You know, are we under the law? Should we obey the Ten Commandments? How come Christians pick and choose what stuff to do? And then the whole thing on the Sabbath. So so I'm excited to go ahead and knock it out, too. And I got a whole bunch of scripture today. So we're definitely not going to drag it out. Hey, if you're listening, let us know how, how it's sounding. Because I'm hearing like a weird echo and stuff. Are you hearing that, too, Anthony, or no? No. Um, it just sounds. Sounds normal on your end? Yeah, oh. yeah. There we go. Let's see. You good? That sounds better. Yeah, it, it it may just be something going on on my side. Like right before we went live, man, my my computer started messing up, so it may just be something <laughs> on me. But if you know, um, if y'all listening, let me know in the comments if if it sounds weird or whatever, or if it's coming in clear. Um, all right, thanks, Sharice. She says she don't hear uh hear um hear echo. Appreciate it. All right, cool. All right, well, then we're about to go ahead and hop right into this thing. All right, so like I said, we're talking uh, Ten Commandments. Should we follow them? We're going to definitely spend a lot of time on the Fourth Commandment because I know that's where a lot of uh, division come in. But at the same time, I also want to make sure I do this with with love, right? I want to make sure that – let me uh, turn this off because it's bothering me. Um, But, yeah, I want to make sure we do it with love. I want to make sure we do it respectful uh, because – Christians, we can kind of get divided on this, right? And so, um, again, I, I want to. I'm hoping that we are helping somebody and helping people understand it, and and people can just think biblically about about this topic and and, and rationally instead of just kind of what you know tradition is saying, right? Um, and so, um, before we get into it, one, I'm excited because this is the first week I believe people who are looking at your channel, Anthony, can actually chat. And comment now, right? Yeah, yeah, they're coming up on both. Yeah, so I'm seeing the on the on your side too. So yeah, it's okay. working pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty working. sweet. So matter of fact, so since we're here, let's go ahead and say what's up. We got um, uh, let's hope, let's fix this too. Let's pull it down here. All right. So Sean, what's up? Thank you for checking in, Tim. Thanks for letting me know about the echo. Appreciate you, Cherie. Appreciate you checking in as well. My grandparents are on. Love y'all always supporting me, always checking in. Hey, y'all, make sure y'all interact. This is meant to be a fellowship. Uh, put your comments in. As we kind of get deep into certain topics, because we're going to go each commandment by line, right? And um, as we get into there, if you have any comments, questions, and that kind of stuff, um, depending on the floor of the show, we may answer right then, but I may star it and then come back to it later as well. So, Make sure you leave your comments. Make sure you interact. Um, 
We're really going to get in this one. And if you know anybody who is a uh, who feel we should follow the Ten Commandments, who feel we should be under the law, or who's a Sabbath observer and that kind of stuff, invite them to the show tonight. You know, we definitely want to um, we invite all dialogue and everybody thoughts. And so I'm gonna apologize up front because my the camera that I the screen that I normally look in is right by my camera, the one I'm looking in now went out on me. So you're going to see me doing a lot of side looking because I have three screens here, right? And my middle screen is not on. And so this is going to, you know, just forgive me for not giving you eye contact in the camera, guys. All right, cool. So with that, we're going to kick the show off um, with um, our Digital Pews Christian News. I want to get through these quickly because I really want to get to our topic tonight. So I only got two topics that I'm going to show, but I really wanted to show them tonight because I didn't want it to go any longer because at the end of the day, man, Satan is at work, and I want to expose him tonight. So let's go ahead and um, expose these two Christian News headlines because, to be honest, I really can't believe what I'm seeing. Um, And I'm curious if y'all seen this already. Check it out. All right, so our first headline reads, A Ritual to Baal, the Occultic Symbolism in the Opening Ceremony of the 2022 Commonwealth Games. All right, so I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with the Commonwealth Games, but um, it's an international, like, multi-sport event. I think it took place this year in Birmingham, England, Um, and then um, it's kind of like a mini Olympics, right? And in their opening ceremony, they got a lot of people wondering what message are they trying to send? Have you heard about this, Anthony? No, actually, I, I hadn't heard about it till you know, I saw it on um, our agenda. So man, this was news to me. Man, I was like, wow. Satan <laughs> is getting bold, man. It's like, it's just out there. And, you know, I'm curious, too, because I wonder if people actually know that this stuff is in the Bible. If they're actually, like, reliving stuff that God condemned. It's almost... It's almost like if, if they don't know, then hopefully people putting it out there for them will make them come to the light and come to Jesus, you know, and rethink what they're doing. But if they do know, it's, it's like a slap in the face to God, you know, to God and his followers. And so I want I put together a couple of. Um, so first of all, you can see here this big old boy and you're all probably wondering what am I talking about? But I'm a, I'll uh, pull this up real quick. So I put together this little PDF and I added a bunch of little Bible scriptures that, to go with it to ho- to highlight the kind of stuff that these people are doing. Right. Um, so first and foremost, uh, they got this. They had this ceremony with all different people from all over different places. And then they had this big giant bull come out. And you're going to see as we go through, I'm going to show a couple of scenes that they start kind of like worshiping around the bull and dancing around the bull. And if you know anything about biblical scripture, as I put it up here on the, uh, on, on your screen here, you will see that this, um, Baal, which is Satan himself was this, uh, false God that they was worshiping, you know, back in the day, it was like one of the mo- uh, worst idols that God came against. Right. Uh, so much. So he identified Satan as Baal and, um, the bell is like a bull head with like a feminine body. And, you know, it's just a real occulted type of thing. But they had this bull come out. Um, they pulled him out. They're dancing around him. You had this woman here holding like some weird crystal thing and coming up to the bull, kind of trying to tame him. And as you, and again, you can see through these scriptures that I'm showing, this is not something that God was happy with, right? Um, um, she gets here. She, um, uh, matter of fact, Jezebel also was uh, a, a, a tribute to Baal worship as well, right? 
and um, again, just the whole scene with the woman, with the bull, and then, again, you'll see here how they got people around the bull of calf. This is a, a biblical illustration of people worshiping Baal, and, 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 and the scene here, they're looking just like that. I mean, they're looking, I mean, they're surrounded by this bull. Um, at one point, they was kneeling down to it, um, and if you look in the back corner there, you see that little tower? Uh, reminds you of the Tower of Babel, right? And um, you got people from all over different nations. And if you know the story from uh, from Babel, as a matter of fact, I put it here. It says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land in, Babylon, in Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let us make bricks and harden them with fire. And it just talks about that. So I got to do a little close-up of that tower that they got there. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us uh, famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. And then um, this is and then this is where you know, I skipped a couple of verses here. But, but God was like, look, they're building a tower. <laughs> you know, they're getting uh, basically too advanced. And if we don't stop, then we're not it's not, it's not going to be a limit to what they do. Right. And. One, I find it funny that they basically had Baal worship, they had a Tower of Babel, and you got all these different nations. Again, what kind of message are they sending? But in addition to the whole uh, Baal worship and Tower of Babel, I'm curious of how long God is going to allow this stuff to go on, right? Because you just think about like our AI technology. They're trying to um, take the memory of your conscience and store it in your DNA now. They're cloning people. They're doing all these things that's exactly similar to what these people was doing here. And then they had a nerve in their Commonwealth game to just put it out there blankly right in front of you. Um, and so again, the Satan worship, the disrespect for God is just getting more blatant, blatant every day. What are, what are your thoughts, Anthony? I mean, like you said, I mean, it, this, this happens so often that you'll see, you know, prophecies from the Bible being fulfilled and you're thinking, these people don't know that they're actually doing what the Bible said that they would do. They're actually going through the exact uh, practices and moat. And it's like, wow. And you say it and they think, oh, no, you're just some, you know, Christian extremist. You're just this. But you're like, no, you are fulfilling scripture. It's like when we were talking about last week about um, the, the mother God, <clears throat> they're coming to you telling you exactly what Jesus warned you that people would say to you, they say it and say that we're not saying it. And it's like, whoa, this is really weird that the Bible is happening in front of us and the person doing it doesn't even know or yeah, doesn't even understand that they're doing it. I think we're going to see some of that tonight too when we talk about the Ten Commandments of like people claiming that, no, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're saying. But I don't know. It, it sounded like what Paul wrote and it sounded like what, you know, what the uh, prophets wrote. So, yeah. Man. So now if you thought this was bad, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the next story, the next one is even even worse. Uh, let me see. Laura said, good evening. Hey, how you doing, Laura? Thank you for checking in. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah. They, they blankly doing bell worship. They're having some fake Tower of Babel there. But then this yeah, next one is just like straight up. And I'm warning parents, man. Parents, if you don't know about this, you need to check this out. Let me uh, go to it. So, there's this new animation cartoon that came out. It's called Little Demon. 
All right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you heard about that? Yeah. yeah and so the, yeah. it's on Adult Swim. So it's supposed to be for adults. But they chose a 13-year-old little girl to be the Antichrist. And so Satan is her daddy. Her mom is a witch and a pagan. And she's fighting off demons and all this other kind of stuff. And uh, the little girl is trying to navigate teenage life as the Antichrist and as and Satan yeah. being her dad, her long lost dad. And Satan is kind of upset because he thought he had a son, but in reality he had a girl. So of course they're pushing the, this new feminism type movement as well with it. And so they got a 13 year old girl on a, in a cartoon, but they're claiming it's pushed for adults. This is not for adults. Y'all they're, 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 they're basically tapping into our kids, right? And so I was talking to my um, sister-in-law the other day about how um, culture and your environment and what you watch have an effect on kids. So if you're not teaching your kids about Christ and then they're watching all this stuff on TikTok, TV, social media, you know, around their peers, then it's going to have an effect on them. They're, they're, that's why so many kids have this identity crisis right now because that's what's hot right now is, hey, I'm a boy, but I feel like a girl. or I'm I'm one person, but I feel like them or they. That is what's hot right now. So if the, if the rest of the world is showing this to you and you're not getting any word or truth from God, then this is what you're going to believe. You're going to it's going to have an effect on you. And so in this show. In this show, um, that they're, they're essentially navigating the life of this girl. But what I did was I pulled an interview, right? And I want y'all to see this interview of what they're saying. Because if you think I'm just making this up, watch what they say they're they're planning on doing, like what they're excited about and, and their thoughts behind the show. Um, I would love to know, what was your favorite thing to explore with such a complicated mother figure in the show? I love uh, that we are normalizing paganism. Um, Laura is a pagan. She's a witch. She's jack. She said it. I love that we're normalizing, normalizing paganism. She put it out there clear as day. Act. She's um, she's got to protect her daughter from demons, and uh, and she's got to get her house in order. And so the combination of that is really fun. And shifting over to our creators, I got to know, what inspired you guys to come up with this idea and make the show? You start. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, so the show started as this idea about this woman that had a cursed womb. Um, and, you know, once she had sex, she basically would give birth to the Antichrist. And we decided to propel that story to a different place where it was actually starting at her giving birth to the Antichrist. And she had this tryst with the devil. And at first she was even younger when we first came up with the idea. It flash forwarded to like five years later. But we eventually found that 13 was like the best place to kind of center the story uh, just because it was like the most thematically rich area to yeah. kind of go into. Yeah, so they were like, originally they were gonna, the story was going to focus I guess on the mom having given birth and starting a baby, but they was like, no, let's center it around a 13 year old. Again, the age where our kids are trying to come into, uh, from a kid to young adulthood and trying to, you know, figure themselves out. Well, I kind of enjoy like the fact that like Chrissy's character is like really like, she really has a love hate relationship with both of her parents. And like that um, feels very like real to me for a 13 year old girl. And I love like what, Darcy, Seth, and Kieran have like presented as you know these scenarios where she's just trying to be um, this normal you know girl like going through her you know middle school days wants friends wants to go to a party you know but then is um, thwarted by you know this like this this force which is you know her father and then her mother and you know there's this like triangle happening in between that so um, dealing that 
sort of like trying to for a girl to be like telling a story of a girl to be like I'm trying to make my own path but then um I am still being held back by um what is you know my nature and that's you know my parents and I'm trying to re you know learn like who I am through them as well and teach them she said I'm trying to live my life but being held back by my nature which is which is my parents being held back and I'm trying to teach my parents like this is crazy this is crazy. I like Laura and Satan's relationship um, because Laura, you know, she plays it really tough. She's got to be tough. The demons are coming um, at every every corner, every turn. But I think deep down inside, she loves Satan. And it's a love story um, with the family. But also, I think, you know, as the layers get peeled back, you realize, wow, sh- they maybe they should be together. <laughs> Um, deep deep down inside she loves Satan and maybe they should be together. This is I mean, they putting it out there. They're not they're not even hiding it anymore. Antichrist. Satan is the dad. The mom is a witch and a pagan. She's fighting off demons, you know, I'm assuming not with the power of the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> and uh and the, and she loves Satan and maybe they should be together. Like this is it's crazy what they're sending out. So I, I put this out here for for you parents to if you have kids, hey, ask them if they know about this little demon show. Don't allow them to watch it, you know, uh, because obviously they got an agenda. What's what's your thoughts, Anthony? Yeah, man. Um, when I saw the previews for it, um, my daughter, uh, she's twenty six, she's grown, but we were talking about look at how blatant the message was, and I actually told her a couple of years ago. I said, watch over the next couple of years how blatantly they put out this anti-Christian messaging in our TV shows, in our movies. It's going to be in jokes. People are going to make fun and you're going to see it's being forced on us to try to normalize things that the Bible would call wrong. They want to make it seem like, no, this is just normal life. And anybody who thinks differently is wrong. And so it's setting you up that if you stand up for what you believe as a Christian, you're going to be considered uh, some t- somehow uh, uh, intolerant or a bigot, or 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 you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna look to people to be uh, mean and uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, unwilling to to reach out and have conversation because you believe what you believe, and and I think this is important for parents because. This is a world that, you know, like I said, my, my kids are grown. But if you're raising kids, especially, you know, um, elementary age, middle school, man, they're coming for your kids. You know, they are coming for your kids through these messagings, throughout, you know, cartoons, um, throughout, you know, music, um, social media. They're coming for your kids. Not so, even that in the school system. You you got it. Yeah. And right there in the school system. So they're, they're coming for your kids. Yeah. I mean, they, they got certain things that they're teaching your kids and they're saying that you as parents don't have the right to stop it. Like you don't like, like a lot of, I know in Canada and some in certain States, they're like, listen, you don't get to tell them what their, the kids curriculum is like, that's, that's not a parent's role or whatever. And, and they're, and they're pushing a lot of this stuff in the school. Uh, matter of fact, my pastor was talking today about how, um, about how 
um, he was reading something, and they were saying they're about to get ready to ban a bunch of books, certain books in schools, and one of those books is the Bible. They're looking at banning the Bible in, in their libraries and in their schools, which is, you know, which is crazy. Hey, real quick, Restoring Broken Women, thank y'all for checking in. We appreciate it. Carrie, thank you for checking in as well. All right, so, yeah, that's our um, that's our Digital Pews Christian News, right? Again, Commonwealth Games, they're blank. They, like, these people was out there worshiping Bell. They did a whole ceremony dedicated to Bell, and they had the Tower of Babel, all right? G. Barry, thank you for checking in. Um, they did a whole ceremony. And then you got this show, Little Demons, that's promoting the Antichrist as a 13-year-old little girl who mom slept with Satan and kept her away <laughs> from Satan, and then now she's trying to live her I mean, it's crazy right now. So stay prayed up. Stay involved in what your kids are watching um, and what you're watching because – you see, she says, so true, I have teens, and it's insane. It is. It, it, it's crazy right now. All right, but we're going we're gonna, to uh, dive a little bit deeper, right? We're, gonna, we're about to get into this question, which um, Halloween's coming up, Thanksgiving's coming up, Christmas coming up, and I already know we're about to get the people coming out saying, hey, if you celebrate Christmas, it's pagan, and you're following this, all this other kind of stuff, and you get the same kind of thing when you talk about the Ten Commandments and especially the Sabbath. You know, there are people out there who really believe that if you worship on Sunday, you have taken the mark of the beast. And I'll True. explain how they come to that conclusion, or at least my understanding of how they come to that conclusion, because it's really crazy to me. But, you know, some people have that thought, you know, and – Again, I think before we get into our question and before we get into the devotional, because the devotional is going to be a good segue to what we're talking about, right? But before we get into that, I do want to say this. I think people' heart is, is kind of in the right place when it comes to, hey, we want to do what's right by God, right? We want to we want to do what's right by God and we want to honor God the right way. But at the same time, when the Holy Spirit is convicting you on something that God didn't directly say and convict, you cannot go around condemning others on that. And so um, hopefully after today, uh, we can get a better understanding of, 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 of both sides, people who feel we still should follow the Ten Commandments and people who feel that we shouldn't. All right. Um, do you have anything you want to add, Anthony, before we go into the devotional? No, no, let's get, let's get it. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's do it. All right. So I'm just going to hop right in and say it under the law. We are all guilty. Not one of us are able to keep it. Go ahead. Read your Bible. Pick anybody out of there. Not one person was able to keep it in the Bible either, except for Jesus, which is why he is our savior. The law shows us that we need a savior, that we cannot do it ourselves. This is why I am personally so grateful for Jesus. But even though we know this, it is so easy for us to fall into the trap of trying to be saved by our good works or trying to follow the law, follow all these rules and things that are set up to show us that we can't do it, that we need Jesus to do it. So many of us sin and feel so bad about it that it makes us move away from the church or pull away from God, get away from the people that's going to hold us accountable. And then once we return, we try to do good and make all these promises to God, knowing that we can't keep them or also knowing that um, no matter what we do, it's not going to be good enough for God's standard, right? 
And so the bottom line is legalism just does not work. It doesn't get us anywhere. But lately, there are a bunch of Christians that are trying to condemn you into following the law. The same law, I guarantee you, they're failing themselves. But just like Paul, when he addressed the Galatians, I have to ask you, what sense does it make for those of us who have tasted the freedom that come from the Holy Spirit that we only get through Christ? And we know that we're declared righteous before God solely because of what Christ did on the cross. Why would we want to go back to being slaves to the law? See, we can either be a slave to the law or we can be slave to righteousness. Or let me say it this way. We can either try to uphold the law and feel the burdens of the law and fail at the law. Or we can have a relationship with Christ because he's the only one that makes us righteous. And because of that love of Christ, because of that love that we have for Christ, it eventually changes the way we behave. Just like you would, like when you're single, you act one way. But once you get married, because of the love you have in that marriage, you act a different way. Or before you have kids, you act one way. But now that you have kids, you act a different way because of the love. The love just naturally causes it to change. Even my man Abraham was counted righteous by his faith. Because if it was up to his works, we would not be calling him Father Abraham. So do me a favor, turn to Galatians 3 so we can see what Paul has to say about this topic. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Gather around, everybody. Listen up. I got a story to tell. Tell, tell, tell. Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And I can hear the critics now. So are you trying to give people a pass to sin? Are you trying to give people the uh, excuse to mess up and just simply say, I'm sorry, God? The answer is no. So you can save your comments. Jesus made it clear that it's all about love. And I'm talking about biblical love, not this made up cultural love that we have going on. So if you love Jesus, you will follow his command. And he commanded you to love God and love your neighbors. Imagine if we operated in the spirit instead of the flesh. Imagine if we operated in love. The other commandments will be fulfilled. Just just naturally. So think of somebody you really love. Take your kids or your parents or your spouse or your best friend. When it comes to that person, you don't covet them. You don't want what they have. In fact, you cheer them on and you want the best for them. You know, like my son, I think he's a much better football player than me, but I don't get jealous or mad because of that. I'm actually proud of that. I want him to be better than me. Not only at football, but a better father, a better person, a better everything, right? That same person that you love so much, you won't murder them. You won't stand by while somebody else try to harm them. You won't allow them to worship false gods. You won't allow them to do the wrong thing. Instead, you're going to tell them the truth because you love them and you don't want to see them hurt. You're going to protect them from somebody who's trying to hurt them, even to the point where you may even be willing to give up your life for that person. This is what the commandments was all about. This is what God's love is all about. You see, loving God and loving others take care of the law. And you can only truly love that way through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You'll fall short. So focus on loving God 
Ask God for the ability to love the way he commanded you to. And the rest will take care of itself. All right. All right. That's our devotional. And it's a great segue into what we're talking about. Um, And trust me, as I was preparing for this, there's a lot of convicting that was going on. There was a lot of areas. I'm like, okay, I definitely need to do better at this and do better at that. But um, at the end of the day, Anthony, man, imagine if we all just operated with the kind of love Jesus operated with. The world would be better, man. The world would be (laughs) 10 times better than what it is. But uh, but let's let, let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and uh, hop into this. But before we do, Anthony, wh- why why do you think uh, we wrestle with working for our salvation versus accepting, you know, what Jesus did, and 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 then um, because of the love we have for Jesus, allowing that to, to uh, transform us? Why do it feel like we even some even Christians who will say, "I know that my works doesn't save me," our behaviors, you know. Uh, show that, like, for example, if, like me, i give you a great example. When I was in L.A., I was doing a whole bunch for the church because I had the time and, you know, well, let, let my wife tell her I didn't have the time. I was neglecting her. But I, I was doing a whole bunch. But then when I got here and I had this new job, I couldn't be able to be as involved. And it felt like I was letting God down, if you will. Um, so so why, why do you think we wrestle with that? Well, be, well uh, the biggest thing is, when we are operating according to man's way, we need man's type of approval. You know, let's think about the things that we do. Um, We go to work for a paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. We go to school for a degree, right? We, anything we do, we're doing it to get something. So if somebody gives us something, that we didn't have to do anything for, it seems strange. Yeah. It's like something's wrong with that, you know, that you're 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 extending this to me, you're offering this to me, and I don't have to jump through any hoops. You're telling me there's there's nothing that I could do or there's nothing that I uh should do except for believe it and receive it and embrace <laughs> it, and that will be enough to transform me. That'll be enough to change the way I think and change the way I live. You mean, I don't have to, you know, I just think it's hard because we're taught performance. You know, you were an athlete. I was an athlete. How did I get playing time? Right. I had to to perform. If, If the coaches didn't feel like I met the standard, right. I didn't get on the court. I didn't get on the field. I didn't, you know, I, these things wouldn't happen for me. So I'm so used to, living a performance-driven, a performance-based life. And so when I come to Christ, I can't, you know, balance that. I can't, you know, work with that tension. It's just too much. It's like uh, either I'm I'm earning my way, you know, or I, I'm just, you know, uh, just do nothing. I just accept Christ and just keep living the way I'm living and he's going to do it. There's no in-between for me. There's no I have salvation and then he leads me and guides me to how to live. I just either have it or I earned it. And so there, there's no middle ground for yeah. most people because we're used to performance-based life. Man, even if somebody like, like if some random stranger just like rolled up on you and just gave you something, it's hard to even to just accept free gifts. Accept that. You, do you <laughs> want like, hold on, why are you giving me this? What do you want from me? You always think somebody kind of have an ulterior motive. And so, so yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's natural that it would 
fall over into our spiritual life as well. But the thing about it is our salvation is a spiritual thing. And we're gonna yeah. get we're gonna, we're gonna be getting into that today, man. And so it's uh G Barry said I'm already I'm already loving this. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, definitely chime in on your thoughts. Matter of fact, let's let's do that. Those of you all who are watching, let us know now before we get into it. Are Christians today, should Christians today obey the Ten Commandments? Let us know now. Let us know your thoughts and uh, throw them in the comments and we'll read them. We'll make them a part of the show. But should they obey the Ten? Should we as Christians obey the Ten Commandments, right? And um, what about Sunday worship? I'm interested too. Before I share what I'm going to share, if you um, let me know in the comments, why do you feel Christians, uh, the ones that do worship on Sunday, why do you feel, why, why, why do you believe we worship on Sunday? Do you think that the Sabbath day changed from Saturday to Sunday? Like, like what is your rationale for worshiping on Sunday? Is it tradition? What? Hopefully we'll learn something today. Matter of fact, when I first came to Christ and I started, uh, that was one of the questions I asked my pastor. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I'm like, you know, why, why are we going to church on Sundays? And and, and I'm going to be honest, the answer I got was, I mean, I mean, mind you, he didn't have time to sit there and give me a whole, you know, uh, uh, seminary-type answer, but it, it did still leave me wondering, like, okay, I need to go and read this for myself. I need to find out for myself or whatever. And so we um, today you, you're going to know. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts, you know, um, in the comments. Let's see. G. Berry says... We are innately taught to earn the accolades and approval of man instead of accepting free gift of salvation, only found in Christ. This is good. He says, no man can keep the Ten Commandments. That's why Jesus came, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Yes, and we're going to go deeper into what that means uh, yeah. because a lot of people will use that to say, no, Christ didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled it, basically saying, well, you should be fulfilling it too, um, or you should be living by it too, that that. That's, that same scripture often get used against Christians who I'll just come out and say it, don't uh, observe the Sabbath. That, that's ultimately the the commandment that is of issue, of, of debate. But we're about to get ready to hop into them all. All right. So before we hop into them all, um, I do want... Um, I do want to ask Anthony to uh, kind of summarize your your thoughts on it, and the, and the reason why one I got a whole bunch of notes that I'm about to get ready to go through, and so you can kind of hop in and hop in out as I go through mine. So I want to give you the opportunity to kind of put your your thoughts on the on the topic out there um, before I go into that. But then also too, I remember your video on tithing. Your video that says, hey, I tithe even though I don't have to. And I think you have some very uh, wise words in that video on, hey, this is what tithing is and this is what giving is and this is what it's not. And because, you know, matter of fact, I'm going to shut up and let you explain it. But I feel like it, it has a strong parallel to what we're talking about today and the reason why I feel that way. It's because I, you ultimately got to a point where, like, if one, you need to understand why you're tithing and what you're doing if you're doing it. But then, two, you know, you, you, you're you going to go as the Holy Spirit leads you and do and, and do that. So I'm and curious right. to hear if that parallels to this. Yeah, and you're right. That That is my thought process all the way around when it comes down to, you know, the law is that there are things that you must understand in the law and about the law. And when you understand those things, you come into the New Testament under grace and you say, okay, 
by based upon my understanding of this, even though all things are lawful to me, <laughs> that doesn't mean that everything is beneficial to me. And so there's things that I can do. There's things that um, that are wise to do. But you must understand that none of these things will bring about salvation. Right. And so you're not doing them to be made right with God because Jesus took care of that. You're doing these things because you understand um, of the blessing of them. You understand the practicality of them. There's some things in the Old Testament that are still very practical today, depending on who you are, you know, but when we hold people's feet to the fire and say, you are not saved or you are bound for hell. If you don't do X, Y, Z, when the new Testament does not explicitly state that, you know, and, and I know you're going to get into a bunch of scriptures. So I'm a way to, you know, really push, you know, all the verses and things like that. I'm just going to kind of give you my summary is that the, the two things, and I know you're going to get to this, that are most important is that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, mm -hmm. which means how we live our life is based upon our reverence and our love for God. And then number two, the proof of how we're living our life as we love God is how we treat our neighbor. And so you'll know that you love God by how you treat the people around you. James, uh, John says that very, very clearly that how can you say you love God and hate your brother when you haven't seen God, right? <laughs> but you see your brother, how are you going to say, I love God, but I hate my brother. And so the way we approach things uh, will tell us if we're really loving God. And so at the end of the day, there are a lot of things in the Old Testament that have value. The issue or the line that I draw is when you when you say that there are requirement for salvation, because the New Testament is clear what the requirement for salvation is yeah. that you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you turn from the world to him, which is repentance, believe in him. And then he imparts in you his spirit, faith, all the things that you need to live for him. And then you live for him. You, you open up your Bible, you study your Bible, not to win brownie points with God, but to learn how to live. You know, you come together as believers not to win brownie points with God, but for support and comfort and to be able to be on mission together as a, as a church. And so all these things we get to do because we're saved, we don't do them to become saved. And I think that's where, you know, my thought process goes. And we're going to get into a lot of scriptures that will prove that uh, on, on, on the and, and one last thing, the Sabbath day and I know you're going to cover this has never changed. <laughs> it yeah. is still what it was from the beginning. I know you're going to cover that, you know, it has never changed. And so we have to be careful when we try to make, you know, Sunday into the Sabbath Sunday is, is, is not about taking over the Sabbath and making the Sabbath a new day. And so I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, it's not. And we'll we'll get into Sunday and all that. But one thing I do want to touch on, I want to foot stomp too, uh, because when we talk about this, I feel like people, when you talk about once saved, always saved, or when you talk about should we follow Ten Commandments, what, what people I think is afraid of is that, and it was crazy. They was afraid of it when Paul was preaching it too. Uh, <laughs> this, this is, but what I think they're afraid of is you're saying, oh, you're giving people the right to to uh, sin, and 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 just all I got to do is say, God forgive me, and I'm good to go. And, and that's not what we're saying. And so one nah. thing I want to um, 
foot stomp. Matter of fact, let me see if I can pull it up on my screen. Um, Romans 10, 9, you know, the verse that we typically use in our prayer to uh, bring somebody to Lord to the Lord. Listen to what it says. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's the requirements for, for salvation, as Anthony was talking about. But one thing that I think we kind of gloss over is the Jesus is Lord. And I heard somebody right. say it like this. Back in the old days when people would, would actually call somebody their Lord, typically somebody who was your Lord, you obeyed what they told you to do. Right, so if, the, right. if you're, you know, if you heard, you hit an old, the old dialect, they'd be like, yes, my Lord. And they, and you know, you just follow what you, you follow, what your Lord, whoever, whoever's Lord over you, they have authority over you to tell you what to do. And typically if they're your Lord, you obey them. So again, if you're confessing that Jesus is your Lord, what you're actually confessing is I am going to live the way Jesus instructed me to live. I am right. going to live the way Jesus want me to. So again, before we get into anything, nobody is giving people the authority to just live how they want to live. That's not what we're doing. And I think that's where some people want to, I think that's where people are afraid of for whatever reason they think you're giving that pass. Because when you say Lord, that word translates uh, in the Greek, you know, or from the Greek as master or owner, mm. right? So when I say Jesus is Lord, I'm saying he's my master or owner. And I know that's what Paul is saying. Because he says things like, I am a bond servant of Christ, right? I am mm. a slave of Christ. In other words, he's saying, Jesus is my master and my Lord. He is the one who owns my life. I owe him everything because he's the one that paid the debt. And so he paid the debt for the rights to my life. And I give him that by confessing him as Lord, believing that God raised him from the dead. And so now, how does he want me to live? Because now I live for him uh, with the same vigor, the same commitment, the same drive that he took when he died for me. He was willing to go to the cross for me and take my sins on his shoulder. So now I'm willing to live for him and obey whatever he asked me to do. And so I think this is a huge point because I think people, like you said, overlook the fact that we're calling Jesus Lord. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 I believe people do. And so, um, and I know, again, I'm not in here trying to judge anybody else or talk because I have my own stuff I have to work through. I have the logs in my eyes. I got to get out. But the one thing that as somebody who loves Jesus and somebody who's a follower of Jesus, the thing that frustrates me the most is when people say, um, well, a Christian did X, Y, and Z. Our Christians do X, Y, and Z, and it's something that doesn't line up with what Jesus says. So, like, and I, I can't even think of a, a good example right now because it just came to me right now. But, but, I'll, but the example that I will use is if, if me being an airman in the Air Force, I go out here and do something that is not aligned with the Air Force core values, the news media may say airman. Lane did so-and-so, right? But the Air Force is going to say, no, what he did is not the values of the Air Force. What he right. did is not what we talk about and what we teach. He may be in the Air Force, but he ain't doing that. That is not the Air Force's values. And so right. when people try to blame certain things on Christians, that is not what Jesus even taught. 
I, I typically take offense to that and get frustrated by it because at least if you're going to reject Christianity, then reject what Jesus actually taught and not what you believe he did or what somebody else did or all this other kind of stuff because, you know, you wouldn't do that in any other place, right? Um, anytime somebody who belongs to a company do something outside those company values, that company say, no, nah, that's not what we do. That is not, you know, and so it's the same thing when it comes to Christianity. But I think we kind of hammer that long enough. We're about to go ahead and get right into it. So, again, y'all, y'all don't even understand how much studying I did into this. Um, one of the things I learned when I went to school for my master's degree is about, uh, what is it called, confirmation bias or something like that. So what you typically You'll typically research and look for things that align with what you believe. And when I talk about these kind of topics, I purposely go out of my way to try to look at things that go against what I believe. Right. Um, so that way. Um, and I think, Anthony, we were talking about this earlier, how you were saying you 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 uh, invite the questions and the uh, feedback of other people because you're pretty firm in your face, so you don't think they can change your mind. And so for me, same thing. Like, I know what I believe. I'm firm in it. But I want to see how other people believe. And if they can, yeah. if that can change it, one, I could be wrong. You know, that that's one. I could be wrong. Um, and so if I'm wrong, I want to be able to admit it. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and admit something I said last week when I was like all over acts to talk about how they you know, worship on Sunday. And as I got to really studying and reading it. It does. It doesn't blankly say it in Acts. to say they they met the other on the first day. They gathered for bread. You know. So I'll I'll own that. I'll say, hey, you know what? As I went to studying, Acts. It's not all over Acts or whatever. But I will show what I found in a second. And so anyhow, uh, I I went about this a couple of ways. And if you look in my um, description notes, I have uh, links to uh, people who believe that we should follow the Sabbath that believe that we're still under the law. Um, I even went as far as saying, hey, this particular video is probably the best argument for Sabbath worship. You know, I even highlighted that one. Um, but there's so many other things that, uh, as I was studying it, it's just so many questions that people who say we are commanded and we're sinning by not observing the Sabbath, there's so many other questions that can't answer where uh, I didn't change my viewpoint. But again, I welcome anybody who feels to think different. Um, but I bring all that up to say this. I am not going to even try to sway people one way or the other today. I'm just going to show I'm just going to show um, the, the, the scriptures. Right. I'm just going to show the research that I found. G. Barry says the humility of admitting when you're wrong. Love it. Respect, bro. Yeah, I was wrong. I, I, I said it. I said something and emotional and passionate and and I, it couldn't be backed up. And so I will admit that. And I will even say the video that I saw that says we should still observe Sabbath that uh, that I felt was probably the best argument. That was kind of where it where I was hinged up at on how. Acts doesn't really directly say that they were meeting on Sunday. So it had me kind of thinking, well, well, okay, well, why did we start meeting on Sunday? And, I've, and I see in the comments, we haven't got a comment on why we meet on Sunday yet. You know, uh, so so hopefully, hopefully today will be educational for people. Uh, and that way, if we ask in the future, we can we can defend it. We can defend why we as Christians meet on Sunday. All right. So without further ado, let me let me go ahead and get into it. All right. So. Uh, I was looking over my notes. Let me get back to the beginning. As you can see, I got a lot of I got a lot of stuff here. And so, um, Anthony, again, just hop in, 
cut me off. Yep. If you got any comments, yep. you know, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're comfortable enough to do all that. So we're about to get ready to hop into it. All right. So should Christians obey the Ten Commandments? I'm gonna kick it off by uh, pointing you to Matthew five nineteen through twenty, and you will see here reading this, you will say, you know what? There it is. You know, if you ignore the least of the commandments to teach others to be the same, you'll be called least in the kingdom. So we shouldn't be out here telling people they should not uh, meet the uh, Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, Cheryl, thank you for your comment. She said, yes, I should follow the Ten Commandments. However, it's not a stumbling block to my salvation, which is a free gift. Uh, Sean says, yes, you should follow the Sabbath. But then, you know, um, we come and we see uh, scriptures like, like this. A lot of them from Paul. He says, "For Moses writes the, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is in your lips and in your hearts." Uh, and that message is very, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare, and then it goes into that yeah, if you uh, Jesus is Lord, and it goes into our salvation scripture. And so, as we see here beforehand, Moses he's talking about like Moses' way is the old way, and we got a new way, and there's going to be other scriptures that show this. And so, you have to ask yourself like, okay, well. If I teach people not to follow the commandments, but then we got scriptures where Paul talk about how we how how that's the old way and that's the old covenant and we're under a new covenant, then how does all this work? And so before we even get into that, I wanna highlight something to you all to to show to show how in different times, different ages, God had different commandments and different things that we should observe. So you got the patriarchal I can't even, my, you know, I'm a, a line of public school, so I can't even pronounce it right, but patriarchal age, right? That's the time of your Adams and the Noahs and the uh, 12 patriarchs and Abraham and all those guys. And if you know your Bible, in that time frame, the law of Moses had not been commanded yet. So there's no, there was no Ten Commandments, no laws at those times. A, a great example of a commandment in that time was when God commanded Noah to build an ark to be saved. And so nobody today would say, hey, we should be building boats now. We should be, you know, we should be, we knew that in this particular story, this commandment, that was to Noah to save people at that time, and nobody took him up on it. And by the time, except for Noah and his family, and by that time, it was too late, right? Kind of like today, how we're trying to spread the gospel, and some people won't accept it, and eventually it's going to be too late. And then um, in Genesis 9, God talks about how he had never flood the earth again. So that stuff didn't pertain to us. Then you got the Mosaic Law. That's when Moses and the uh, children of Israel, that's where you get the Ten Commandments. And one important thing to remember is that Christ was born during that time frame, which is why it says he, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. If he was going to live without sin, he had to follow those, those laws that God commanded with Moses. And Christ's law didn't start until after his death. You can read Hebrews 9, starting at verse 16 to for uh, proof text. All right, but the Ten Commandments, it was given to Israel, right? And matter of fact, if you go to Deuteronomy 5, it even says that those commandments was not given to the patriarchs. So it says that these commandments was not given at a time before that. 
And so some people will argue that because in Genesis we talk about how uh, God rested on the seventh day, that that's when he instituted the Sabbath. But that's just, but it's just given a description of what God did. He didn't institute the Sabbath until the Ten Commandments. All right. So anyway, or and some will argue when he did manna, when he was giving out manna, he t- he told them not to uh, store up on the on the seventh day. But anyway, the patriarchs never got that. And so then you got the Christian age. And so in the Christian age, you got the uh, kingdom, you got the church, you got the gospel, you got the law of Christ. And um, Galatians 2, it tells us to bear each other burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Again, it's all about love. We were talking about that earlier, right? Um, if we love God and love people, we will fulfill uh, Christ's commands. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus has the authority and he commanded us to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them what Jesus commanded. And so... Some people will say, well, there it is. You got to follow Jesus' commandments or whatnot. But today we're going to talk about exactly what Jesus commanded, exactly what he commissioned his apostles to teach us. And so I bring all this up to say, I bring all this up to say that we have different ages and God had different covenants and commandments for different people at different times. And so when we're reading certain things, we got to say, who is God talking to and who and, and why, Right. Anthony, you got you want to add anything before we move on yeah, from there? Yeah, yeah, I think that's first and foremost is that that's properly reading the Bible. Is that who is the audience? Who is the author? You know, can we discover what the author's intent was? Um, you know, for this particular passage, because sometimes we'll quote a passage as if it was meant for everybody all time, and it wasn't. You know, it was actually meant for specific circumstances, for specific situations. And I think, you know, just going back to because I was trying to as I was looking at this, I was thinking about the question about, you know, should we um, um, should we observe the Ten Commandments and how Paul said, you know, uh, you know, uh, that we that if anyone teaches or Jesus actually said, if someone uh, teaches someone not to observe the commandments. And I think those are two different things, Mm -hmm. you know freedom to observe them and for someone to say don't observe them are two different things you know we have the freedom to observe those commandments um but if we were to tell people don't do them right don't don't you know uh don't be uh uh what's the one don't uh love the lord your god first of all right don't put him first you know take the lord's name in vain it's okay you know, you're mm-hmm. not under the law, right? If we yeah. were to do that, that wouldn't even make sense, <laughs> you know, yeah. because why would you, you know, blatantly say it's okay, do the opposite of what this says. But the issue is, and I think it was, um, I can't, I can't think of who it was, but they were saying it was Cheryl, uh, Cheryl. Uh, she said that the commandments should be followed, but they are not requirements for our salvation. And I think that's the key. Yes, uh, I should follow the Ten Commandments. However, it is not a stumbling block uh, to my salvation, which is a free gift. And I just think we have to keep those things in their right you know, perspective, that there's nothing wrong with not coveting your neighbors. Why, why would you why would you tell yeah. somebody to do that? Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so 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 the, the, the commandments are for our learning. The commandments are for our good. Paul never disparages the commandments. He actually says that the law of God is good, 
Mm-hmm. And, and and the proof of it is because of how bad I am, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I understand that the law of God is good. And so we have to make sure that we're getting the bottom line. The bottom line is that salvation is by grace through faith, right? Mm-hmm. Not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. So us doing anything doesn't earn it, but that doesn't mean that we do nothing, Right. That, yep. that doesn't mean that we're just free to just behave however we want to, because then that would say that I don't think you received this, because if you actually received this, it would change you. Yeah. So, again, that's the, the the tension that we talk about, because when somebody says, well, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're like, oh, see, so we can do whatever we want if we believe on the Lord. That's not what we're saying. And that's nope. not what scripture is saying. So, yeah, not at all. Not at all. Not all good points. Way to hammer those in. Let's keep it moving. Uh, let's see. All right. So another thing I want to hammer in before we even get to the Ten Commandments is that the church and Israel are not the same. The church and Israel, some people believe that the church took over and now, you know, um, the church is, is Israel or, or something to that extent. But it's just not, that's not the same. And so I put two proof texts here. Um, as you can see in First Corinthians, you got Jew, Gentile and the church three different in, in the same scripture. And then if you read, and I'm not going to read it here, but if you read through Romans 11, 25 through 32, it's pretty clear that Paul is talking about, Hey, well, don't, don't be boastful and think church because you know, God has saved you and he's given up on Israel. And do, like, there's plenty of proof tests that kind of show that there's a difference between the church and Israel. And the reason why I bring that up is because there's some people who believe that when God spoke to Israel, he's also speaking to the church that not, that may or may not always be the case. All right. I'm going to keep moving. All right. So the Ten Commandments, they were a part of the covenant with God and Israel, not a part of the covenant with God and the church. All right. So uh, you see here in Exodus 34, it says, and the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So this was their terms of their covenant. All right. Let's keep it moving. Also, too, according to Second uh, Corinthians 3. Um, starting at verse seven, the 10 commandments are done away with. So it says the old way with the laws etched in stone, they're talking about the 10 commandments led to death. Though it began with such glory that people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses face for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. And it says this, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way? So there's a new way. Now that the Holy spirit is given life. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, the the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming, overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? So there is a new way now, which is why we have a New Testament. All right. Uh, again, I'm not telling people it's bad to follow the Ten Commandments. I'm telling them that God has a new way for us. So, again, do we get a pass to sin? We already touched on this. No, we do not. There's the proof text, all right? Um, it says, once you were slaves, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is the new way? 
What is the teaching that they've given us? Again, Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. But we saw that there's a new way. So obviously there's there's new commandments or there's, there's things that God taught us, right? And another thing I want you to highlight in this scripture is he, uh, he says, um, I, will ask the, I, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in, into all truth. Right. Later, he will be in you. It is key to remember that. Right. Later on, as we get further in this discussion, we're going to talk about uh, whether or not Sunday worship is the mark of the beast and all this other kind of stuff. Or if Sabbath observant is the seal of God, I'll just spoil. I'll give you the spoiler alert now. No, the Sabbath is not the seal of God. The Holy Spirit is. And I will show you that later on. And so this is what it all hinges down to um, when people try to condemn you and say, if you are doing X, Y, and Z, then you are uh, going to hell or you're took the mark of the beast. The bottom line is, do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And Jesus promised that if you do, you will be saved and he will leave you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your seal, um, right? And so we'll just remember that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. All right, so now, Anthony, what I want to do, we're going to go by each commandment and just simply check off, do they still apply to us today under the new teaching, all right? And so um, Old Covenant, Exodus uh, 20, verse 3, you must not have any other gods before me. Did Jesus still teach that? Did his, did his disciples still teach that? Yes, he did. And again, I'm not going to read all these um, all these scriptures because we'll be here all night, but I have them here on the screen purposely for you to be able to screenshot it, jot them down, take your notes, read it while I'm talking, and then you can come back if you disagree. But I'm giving you the scripture proof that, okay, well, you say the Ten Commandments is the old way, so we can do away with it, right? No. Jesus retaught it. And if you love him, you're going to obey his commandments. Jesus commissioned Paul to go to preach to the Gentiles, which is people who are not Jewish. And it's us, right? Um, and these are the things they taught, right? The disciples, uh, the apostles taught this as well. So anyhow, yeah, we, we still can't have any other God, all right? Uh, and I'm doing this because some people will criticize Christians and say, oh, you only pick and choose which stuff to uh, follow or not. Well, we see that there's a new way. The Bible showed us that. But in the new way, Jesus and the apostles told us what we should still be following. All right, so the second one, um, you must not make any idols. That's basically what Exodus is saying. Exodus 4 through 6 is telling us we, we should not make ourselves any idols. And then we see in 1 John, the same thing. We shouldn't have anything that take take our heart from God, right? And then um, also, too, same thing in 1 John. at any time, if you want to... Hammer in, just cut me off. Um, but again, we got the proof text, so we can agree that the second commandment, we still should be following that one as well. All right? Let's keep it moving. Third commandment, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Basically, don't take God's name in vain. And so we get all kind of different examples or definitions of what people think it means to take God's name in vain. Like if you use God's name at all, or if you use the GD or, but I put a note here that says um, that, that I, that I feel captures what taking God's name in vain is. And you feel free to disagree with me, but I think the scriptures under the new covenant kind of shows this as well. It said when we misrepresent Christ, either intentionally or through ignorance of Christ of Christian faith and proclaim um, uh, and ignorance of Christian faith, 
As proclaimed in scripture, we take God's name in vain. Also, when we say we love him, but we do something completely different, we take his name in vain, right? Um, and so basically when we're misrepresenting God, when we're teaching things that God hasn't taught, when we show a lack of respect for God, like all those things can fall into taking his name in vain. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, Rico, because, you know, when you think about back to Exodus, you know, they weren't using the swear words, you know, because right. that's yeah. usually what people mean by taking the Lord's name in vain, but that could not have been what they, what, what, what they meant. What they meant was that if you're going to live for the Lord, then you live for him in a way that uh, gives him glory and that represents who he really is. You don't say I'm living for the Lord and then live like the other nations. That's why he gave the commandments in the first place to separate, to make Israel holy from the other nations. And so when they said, yes, we're going to follow you in Exodus 19, and they said, you know, we're going to follow you, we're going to do it, and God agreed. He said, all right, you're going to be my chosen people. You're going to be my kingdom of priests, and you're going to live for me. And so I really believe that that's important that we recognize that taking the Lord's name in vain, you know, is now this is going to be, this might be offensive to some people, but, you know, you can ask me questions about it if you want to. But when you go down to the front and you pray a prayer saying that I'm saved, but then you go out and live like you're not, you just took the Lord's name in vain. That would be the modern picture of it. I went to church. I prayed this prayer. I said, you know, that Jesus Christ is Lord, but I'm living like he's not Lord. I'm mm -hmm. not obeying him. I'm not. He doesn't own my life. I own my life. I do what I want. I just want him to bless it. That would be taking the Lord's name in vain. That goes right back into what I was talking about with my example of if I go out here and me being in the Air Force, yes. I go out here and do stuff that is not aligned with Air Force core values. The Air Force is going to be like, no, that's not what we do. You're, not, you're taking the name in vain. You're misrepresenting us. Right. And so same same thing. I would I would say. I think there's a fine line there because there is sanctification, right? We still, like, for example, if I'm prostituting out women today and doing drugs and all this, and then I go to church and I get saved, and then the next day, you know, it's it's the Holy Spirit is going to take some time for me to start shedding off some of the things I do. But at the same time, if I just say, if I think, that I can be like, you know what? I can keep doing it because all I got to do is repent. Right. Then, yeah, you're right. misrepresenting God's name. You're misrepresenting right. what he did for you. You know, it's like a slap in the face. So, no, nah, I, I would agree. But I would even say I think the cuss word GD is a could be taking God's name in vain as well because you're using God's name in disgrace or using God's name. In, like, you're not you like. You're not using God's name property, uh, properly, right? And so I think that can be a form of, of, of taking his name in vain or not being respectful of it. But the, I think the bigger picture is is that the bigger picture is you're misrepresenting God. Um, you're, right. not, you're not, you're not I think making the cuss them holy. Would be more, I think the cuss words would be more blasphemy, you know? Mm. You, know you know, blaspheming the Lord, you know, speaking evil of him, you know, um, in saying those things. And so you're negating who he is, whereas taking the Lord's name in vain. Like I said, I, I just, you know, when you think culturally, they weren't doing that, right? So mm -hmm. they weren't using the, the you know, the GD, right? You know, they weren't saying that back then. They would have never said that. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, so I think I, I, I get what you're saying, that that could be considered using the Lord's name in vain or using it you know, improperly, 
which would be blasphemous. That would be, you know. So, so I would look at, I would look at blasphemous like, like if I was like literally cursing to God, right? Then yeah, I feel like that is blasphemous. Like if, like if I use God's name to, and curse Him out, but if I use, like if I stump my toe and I say that, right? Like you said back then, culturally. They wouldn't even say God's name. That's how much respect they had for him. And so to me, like if I hurt myself and I use God's name in a negative way, you know, to me, I don't really consider that blasphemous. I just, I I consider it disrespectful, right? Disrespectful, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so either way, we're getting down to we're getting to semantics on it. But the, I think the bigger note is like you know, like like it says here in Matthew six nine, when you pray, you know, you say, "May your name be kept holy." May God, right. you know, um, it says uh, in Luke six forty six, it says, "So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say?" You you you, you right. keep using my name and you're not you know matter of fact that you know there's the scripture where it says many gonna say uh, uh Lord Lord haven't we prophesied in your name haven't we did he gonna say get away from me I never knew you you know and so again I think it's more so making sure you know you're representing Christ representing God properly all right let's keep it moving so just so we know third commandment check we still got to do it all right. So now, when we get to the fourth commandment, this is where things get a little sticky, right? Because, again, I don't want to be the person to say, don't observe the Sabbath and, and, and don't do this and don't do that. I'm not even saying that, and which is why I wanted Anthony to speak up front, because I feel like if you want to observe the Sabbath, if you want to take a day of rest, one, I think it will be beneficial to you. Um, two, I think it, you know, if you're doing it with the proper heart and doing it for God, then it's a good thing. But are we commanded? Are we obligated to do it? That's the question. And so in Exodus 28 through 11, it says, remember to, uh, observe the Sabbath, Sabbath day and keeping it holy. Right. Um, and he, um, um, it says for, uh, six, uh, you have six days of each week for, uh, for your uh, ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. And he tells who all this includes. And he says, why? For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. So that's why he blessed it and set it apart. Later on, we're going to find out why he commanded them to do it. But I bring all this up to say, in the new, under the new covenant, we do not have a direct command to observe the Sabbath. This command right here, if we remember, was given to the Israelites. We don't see it in the new covenant. Not one place does it say, hey, Gentiles are new Church people, you should observe the Sabbath. But what we do see, and I want to take some time to show this real quick, in Colossians 2.16, we see a verse that says, Do not let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. You see in Romans 14, in the same way, some think one day is more holier than the other, while others think Every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. I mean, I don't under, I, I don't think it gets more clear than that. It says those who worship the Lord on a special day do it. Why? To honor him. Those who eat, uh, it says those who eat any kind of food 
do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks. So we should be doing it from a place of wanting to please God, doing it from a place of uh, of, 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 of uh, being uh in submissive in submission to God. And then in Galatians we get you are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work was for nothing. So again, not only do we not see a commandment to observe the fourth commandment, we see some scriptures that seem to be telling us that long as we're uh uh Worshiping God and serving God from a right place of heart, then we're fine. And we're not going to gain favor by trying to just observe special days. Uh, any yeah, thoughts I, before we move on? Yeah, and I think the, the, t- the tough part about this is because of traditionally, you know, the, the competition between Sunday worship and Sabbath observance, you know, is is as if, you know, they are interchangeable or they are you know, similar to each other, but the Sabbath, I mean, look at what, look at what it says about the Sabbath. It says Mm -hmm. on that day, no one in your house may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and your female servants, your livestock, your foreigners living among you for in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And so, when we talk about Sunday worship, Paul teaches for us to come together and teach the word, you know, minister to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you know, making melody in our heart to the Lord. You know, the Sabbath is supposed to be a day where they did nothing. It's not it's not a day of worship. It's not a day where you would, quote unquote, go to worship. And so we got to ask ourselves, well, when did the command for the Sabbath become a day of worship, you know, and not a day of rest where you mm. do nothing, you know, because even in the New Testament, remember, they went after Jesus for healing somebody on the Sabbath because he's not supposed to be doing anything, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I just I, I think we, we have to understand that these two are not in competition with each other because a Christian every day is supposed to be worshiping the Lord. Every day is supposed to be we're supposed to be gathering and coming together um, as much as we can, is what Paul says, you know. And so I, the Sabbath, you're not going to come together every day. You're, that's a specific day set for a specific reason, for a specific picture, you know, of what God did in the beginning. And it's looking forward to an ultimate time period. And I won't get too far into that, but it's, it's looking forward to open. So I think, you know, when you look at these two. Sabbath, you know, rest and uh, Christian worship, whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, are two different things. Yeah. So, you know, I told you, I looked at this. I tried to put myself uh, in the shoe of somebody who would disagree with me. And I tried to look at it from their viewpoint. And in doing that, I actually found a scripture that does kind of tie Sabbath day to worship too. that one could argue. That one could argue that, but and, and I'm a I'm gonna put a pin on that, and we'll come back to it because I want to get through the rest of the Ten Commandments, and then we're gonna spend a little bit more time on the Sabbath specifically. But I will I will say I'm gonna show in Leviticus where it did say the Sabbath was also meant for a day of um, 
of meeting, right, of going of what we would consider church and and their time going to the temple or whatever. Um, but I will say I will say this though: what you saying brings up a very valid point because. Later on, we're going to see how some people try to tie Sunday worship to taking the mark of the beast or that you're sinning. And the bottom line is, like you said, the Sabbath is mainly meant for rest. And then we do have scriptures that tell us we can worship and meet together and fellowship on any day. But I want I want to be fair to any Sabbath observers here to say, you know, I want to bring this up. And then I am going to counter it, though. So right now they got a small little victory, but I'm going to counter it. Uh, but let's put a pen in it so we can get through the rest of the Ten Commandments, and then we're going to revisit that. So on the Fourth Commandment, we're like, okay, there's no commandment to do it, right? But I feel like according to these scriptures, we can worship on any day. And if we wanted to rest and, and use it as an honor to God, as long as our heart's in the right, right. place, then we you can rest on the Sabbath. All right. Because there's uh, no commandment against it either. Exactly. So. There's no commandment against it. So, again, that's why I like Anthony's title of I tithe, even though I'm, I don't have to. So you can rest on the Sabbath, even though. In my opinion, the scripture, the new covenant is not commanding you to. All right. Fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Then your life will be long. Ephesians 6 repeats that. And you know, when I, every time I read this scripture, man, it made me want to uh, reach out to my mama and uh, ask for forgiveness for all the bad stuff I did. And then when she <laughs> tell me stuff now that I don't want to do, I think about this scripture, man. I'm like, man, at any time somebody lived like 99, 100 I asked my wife, I'd be like, man, they must have really obeyed their parents. Like, I really <laughs> want to do, like, a, a a street survey interview of, like, elderly people and see what their relationship like with their parents, people who live really long. But this is a promise from God. So in the New Covenant, he say, hey, you honor your mother and father, you know, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. And so not only is that under, not only is that taught in the New Covenant, it was taught in the Old Covenant as well. All right, so I just found, I thought that was pretty interesting. All right, the sixth commandment, uh, you must not murder. I mean, I think it's pretty clear we shouldn't be murdering, all right? Um, it's right there in Romans 13, so we're still good on that one. The seventh commandment, you must not commit adultery. Jesus even up to Annie on this one, right? Uh, if you think about, uh, if you lust over a woman, you are guilty of committing adultery. Um, but again, 1 Corinthians speak on, on it as well, so we can check that one off. Under the new commandment, we shouldn't be doing that either. Um, you must not steal. Ephesians tell you, if you're a thief, stop doing it and be generous. So not only does it say stop stealing, start giving some stuff away. All right? Um, um, then you must not uh, testify falsely against your neighbor. Matthew uh, 19, uh, 17 through 19 says as well, you must not steal. You must not testify falsely. So, again, we are still should be honoring that as well. And then the 10th commandment, you must not cover your neighbor's house. You must not cover your neighbor's wife, male or female. So you must not cover it, right? And then um, right here, I put two different uh, translations in here just to, you know, make to drive that point home because in the, in the New Living Translation, you'll see where it says, be guard against every kind of greed. And then um, here uh, in the old King James Version, it says, take, take heed, beware of covetousness. And so essentially when we're, being um, when we're uh, being greedy or when we're lusting after things we don't have and things that other people have and that we want. And we, and we as Christians, like this one right here is a very sneaky sin because it, 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 
it, it goes into other sins, right? So, like, it, um, Pastor was talking about it today. He was like, a lot of times when we when we find ourselves uh, falling into sin or going back to our old ways, he said one way to combat against that is just start listing out things you're grateful for. Because essentially when you go against what God says, you're typically saying that, A, um, I, I know better than God, or B, what I currently have is not good enough. Right. And so like me living in my house, you may be like, well, I'm saving up. I'm working on other jobs because I want a new house because the one, you know, you're covenant after something else. Or you, if you're covenant, if you have a wife and, or whatever, but you want other women, you know, you start covenant. You feel like what, what God already blessed you with is not good enough. So then you start seeking other things. And so uh, I just want to highlight that one, we are still we should not be covenant. But two, it, um, our new way of saying that is is greed, right? Um, most people may not walk around using the word covet, but don't be greedy and be wishing after uh, things that your neighbors have. Um, so to wrap it all up, nine out of the 10 is crystal, crystal clear. We should be still doing it, right? Um, but I also want to foot stump that we are, are we are under a new covenant and the old law is the old way and the new law is the new way. The, the law of Christ is the new way. Why is that important? Because not only is there just 10 commandments, there's tons of other commandments. There's things like, like when God talked about, um, 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 like with Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, when they talk about homosexuality and stuff, that, that's not even in the 10 commandments, you know, but it, it makes its way into the new, the new, uh, covenant as well. And so, um, again, it's not the fact that the Ten Commandments is what we should be following. We should be following the commandments and the teachings of Jesus. And you have to ask yourself, what were those commandments that Jesus and his apostles, because he commissioned them to go out and teach us as well what he taught them, what 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 do they hold us to? And uh, before we move on, Anthony, any thoughts on the Ten Commandments? Yeah, I, I was um I was just looking up something. Um because I wanted to make sure that I, I, I had scripture for it um, because I, I was listening to somebody, you know, talking about, you know, the di- even the dietary laws, you know, cause we're like, Oh yeah, you know, we're not supposed to eat this. We're not supposed to eat that, you know, and, and how Jesus, you know, specifically, you know, spoke about those things as if, you know, it's not about what goes in a person that defiles them. It's what comes out of them. You know, that to to eat this or to eat that is not the issue. It's what comes out of your heart. You know, and I think that's the real difference between the old covenant and the new new covenant. You know, even with, like you said, committing adultery, you know, in your mind. Right. And so Jesus is getting to the core of the human being versus uh, curbing the behavior. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your mind. He wants to change what's inside and out of changing that, what you do will change as well. Your behavior will change. Whereas we're, we're big on modifying behavior. We want to walk around and make sure that people behave correctly, but if their heart doesn't change, um, a new behavior doesn't, doesn't do anything. And that's why salvation, when we talk about salvation, it is the work of God on the inside of us, you know, and then we see, as you said, sanctification over time, our life changes uh, to follow uh, Jesus's pattern and the way that he lived. And so I think we got to we got to really focus on, 
you know, I'm never going to tell, you know, someone not to observe the Sabbath. I'm never going to tell somebody not to observe the dietary law. If they don't want to eat pork and they say it's no good, then amen. Don't do it. But I will tell them you can't require me, Mm -hmm. you know, to follow that and say that I'm unrighteous if I don't. No, you know, if you don't, if you do and I don't, the Bible has already settled that. Those things are already been settled and there's no point in us arguing about it. And so, yeah, that's all I know. And I know we got to we got to get more in depth, you know, with the Sabbath and things like that. But I, I think that needs to be hammered home that we're never we're not telling people, you know, don't observe Shabbat, you know, and see the beauty of the meal and what each you know food represents and 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 observe the songs that they would sing and you know because i've been to shabbat and it's a beautiful thing you know sat down with a traditional jewish family and enjoyed the shabbat you know prayed the prayers and read the scriptures i mean they come right out of the book of psalms and and it's a beautiful thing you know mm-hmm. and i would encourage people to understand you know those things to to observe a seder you know and go and and, and eat that meal and learn about how these things relate to Jesus. The, the only thing is just, you know, the w- requirement for salvation should not be on these things, but the enjoyment of understanding the culture behind what we believe, because we have a Judeo Christian belief system. It is Jewish and then Christian. So it comes out of Jewish roots. So there's a lot of things that we can better understand our faith by understanding the roots. Yeah, no, all good points. And again, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're feeling convicted, like if the, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you on something and you still do it, then it's a sin for you, right? Uh, but the the point is, is that you you can't be more restrictive than Jesus was. You can't right. be more restrictive than the uh, apostles. The apostles were, were. Yeah. the apostles were right. And lately, that we we see a lot of that, and um and and it's almost kind of like it's almost kind of like a, a pride thing because it's like, well, look, look at all look at all these strict things that I can do, and if you're not doing that, then you're not committed to God. That's where it crossed the line. So I I I agree. Um, if you look at the New Testament and the New Covenant and what God is preaching, it is very what's in your heart, what you know, uh, what is inside of you, because that's what God is going to judge. And uh, and we know that our heart is wicked, and the only way we can cleanse that is through the blood of Jesus, and the only way we can start living properly is through the help with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And so again, it all kind of hinges back to if the Holy Spirit is in you. If the Holy Spirit is actually in you. Then all the things that people are concerned about and worry about, they're gonna take care of themselves, right? All right, so all right, let's get let's let's uh let's 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 dive a little bit deeper into uh into the uh whole Sabbath thing. And so I, I threw this scripture up here and it's actually a good segue to kind of what uh, Anthony what you were just talking about, right? Uh of of understanding the purpose of the law, right? Understanding understanding why why we why it's here and so in matthew it, jesus tell you like don't misunderstand why i've come i did not come to abolish the law no i come to accomplish their purpose right i tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear not even the smallest detail of god law will disappear until its purpose is achieved 
who achieved the purpose? Jesus did, right? And so, so if you ignore the least, and that's where we get the scripture, where if you ignore the least of the commands and all that. So if you notice right before that, Jesus is making it clear, like, hey, I'm not saying get rid of I'm not getting rid of these things. What I'm doing is actually fulfilling them. Why? Because you couldn't. You men, men, being human beings, we couldn't do it. And then in Romans, Paul goes further. He says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So if you violated one of them, you're done. Like under the covenant, you're guilty. You just are, right? So God did what the law could not do. This is what Jesus is talking about over in Matthew. He sent his own son and a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully will be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful na nature, but instead do what? Follow the spirit. It, it keeps going back to the spirit, guys. Um, so again, that's the purpose of it. So when they say, oh, well, Christ didn't abolish it, he fulfilled it, that's not that's not saying, oh, well, you should be doing it as well. Because Christ did it, you are obligated to do it. That's not what it's It's, it's actually saying you can't do it. Right. And so that's why you need Jesus. All right. So anyway, uh, we're going to go deeper into the Sabbath. All right. So um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but what I, I did have a couple of highlights here in Deuteronomy uh, 5. Um, and um, again, just like Anthony said, it says uh, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. Uh, also, the Sabbath is a day of rest. Again, you may not do any work, right? Um, and then in Deuteronomy 5, the reason why I bring it up, it talks about why Jesus, uh, not Jesus, why God commanded the Israelites to do it. He says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out uh, with his strong hand and a powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. So again, the Sabbath is holy because in Genesis, God rested on it. That's why the Sabbath is holy. But the reason why God commanded them to do it is because they were slaves and he freed them. It's a remembrance of what he did for them. So I question you, were you a slave in Egypt? <laughs> you know, again, we are not the Israelites. I'm going to move on if you don't have anything, Anthony. But I just nope. want, to, I want to highlight that, right? One, it's about work. And two, the reason why he commanded them to do it, the reason why he commanded them to rest on it, not because he did it in Genesis. That's why I was holy. He did. He commanded them because he wanted them to remember that they were slaves. All right. That's a very important thing to remember. All right. Another thing to remember for people who say we're commanded to keep the Sabbath, we got to keep it. It's more than just one day. So I question how come no one never argue about the other days or, or the other Sabbaths? Nobody, nobody is condemning you to follow all these other Sabbaths. Let me know in the comments for the, you know, if anybody, like if you even knew about most of these other Sabbaths. So I, I put a couple of scriptures in here to highlight it, but in Leviticus, and this is the scripture I was telling you about, um, Anthony. Um, so if you notice in Leviticus 23, three, because I'm looking like, you know, why, why did the Jewish people worship on, 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 on the Sabbath? If it's supposed to be rest. I also had questions like how can the priest, 
Now, how, and how can us as pastors, right? How if if we if we supposed to be resting on sat, on Saturday, then how can a pastor get away? Because that's the day he worked for, for sure, right? And so anyhow, I'm reading in Leviticus 23 verse three, and it says, uh, "You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest and an official day for a holy assembly." So according to Leviticus 23. They God authorized them to do their holy assembly on on this day, right? It said it is the Lord's Sabbath day and it must be observed wherever you live. But notice verse four says, in addition. So if you want to cling to Leviticus, if you want to cling to Leviticus as your proof text of here's why we why you should be worshiping on Saturday, why you should be resting on Saturday, then if you're gonna cling to that, then you gotta also cling to the rest of it. In addition to the Sabbath. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, the official days for the Holy Assembly that are to be celebrated at their proper times each year. And it goes to a whole bunch of things. Then you got the Leviticus 23 at the seventh month. It's supposed to be a Sabbath. Then at the seventh year, it's supposed to be a Sabbath. And then I think the 50th year or something like that, they're supposed to be celebrating and doing festivals, too. But the point that I'm making is this. People get hung up on that one Sabbath day, but God commanded multiple Sabbaths. So the question is, and what you never hear when somebody argue against it is why they're not doing the rest of those, or why they're not, why they're not up, up, upholding all of those. Um, let's keep going on. All right, I brought I put this one up here. Why? Because in Leviticus twenty three again, if you're going to use Leviticus, if you believe that God is commanding you, if you believe that God is talking to you, and you must still observe the commandments, look what it says. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed in the appointed month for generation to generation. So if this is meant for you, and it's all in that that uh, statement, this is a permanent law. When he talk about all the festivals and stuff, God says this multiple times in there. Again, he's talking to the Israelites. It's permanent for them. Right? All right, let's keep moving. Another thing that people are not doing today but they're observing the Sabbath and they're trying to condemn you. They're not putting people to death for violating it. And I want to make this clear. I am not advocating for violence. I'm not saying that people should be doing this. Uh, I want to make that crystal clear. Let me look in the camera. I am not telling people they should be killing folks. What I am telling people is this, is that God commanded the Israelites to, to uh, put people to death who violated the Sabbath. And what I'm also telling you is, is that that was under the old covenant with Israel, not under the new covenant with the church. Again, nobody will argue with me on this, though. Nobody would debate this, that this is not that this is not meant for for the new covenant. Right. And then if they want to even say, well, it's just special. You know, God didn't really tell him to do it. Look what the guy was. He was guilty of, which is further proof of what Anthony was saying. The Sabbath day was about rest. It says on the day while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood. This brother was picking up wood. And and then it says um, it says uh, at 34, it says they held him in custody because they did not know what to do with him. So they didn't know what to do if you violate the Sabbath. So then the Lord said to Moses, Moses didn't say this. The Lord said the man must be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. So the thing is, is that how can you get like, what's your justification for not following this commandment as well? 
You can say, oh, it wasn't part of Ten Commandments. Well, again, I go back. They held him in custody because they didn't know what to do. Because you're right. God didn't tell him in the Ten Commandments what you did if you violated, but he told him right here. So, again, I, I, I'm not trying to, like, I know I get kind of passionate, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I got you and all this other kind of stuff. I'm just curiously, I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious on how people say, well, this is still a requirement, but that is not. Like, what is your justification? Like, how do you justify when, when God clearly say what the penalty is? You know? All right, let's keep going. Uh, Jesus challenged the Israelites' understanding of the Sabbath. And I personally don't believe Jesus ever sinned. Um, man, hold on. I'm getting some software update. All right, cool. Um, G. Barry said, I honestly never knew that. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the, that's, the, that's the thing because a lot of times when people, like with the Mother God people, they had particular scriptures that they went to. And they, they, they quote that scripture, then they hurry up and leave. And it's the same way, like, if you look into the links of some of the videos I left of people who observe the Sabbath, it's the same way. They'll, they'll show Leviticus and be like, God says keep the Sabbath day. And then they'll hop off of it. When two more scriptures down, they got a bunch of other Sabbaths. And then or, or they'll conveniently skip over the fact that God also said you must kill them if you don't observe it. How come that is never talked about when it comes to observing the Sabbath properly, right? Um so let me see. He says, so hold on, wait, let me pull it up. He says, so there are other Sabbath rest days they kept. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. So if you read uh, Leviticus um, and also too, if you notice uh, when Paul talked about uh, uh, the, when, when Paul talked about don't, don't let in the matter of fact, let me just go to Colossians real quick. Colossians two. Yeah. Why, why are you grabbing that? Yeah, the the Sabbath they they for the feast days there was always a Sabbath incorporated into the feast feast days. So there was a Sabbath on and and a fast on Yom Kippur. There was a Sabbath and a fast for um, the New Year. There was they, they incorporated, and that's what you were showing in uh, Leviticus mm -hmm. was for the feast days. Yep. So on any of the feast days, there was a Sabbath rest, and you came together and they ate you know, the Sabbath meal together um, as a way. And then they would, they would sing songs and they would worship because it's an opportunity to remember. So the Sabbath is all about remembering, you know, God's blessing, remembering, you know, you know, God, who God is uh, that brought them out of Egypt, that brought them out of slavery. And if you look through the old, the old Testament, you actually see it a lot. You just don't pay attention that he's always telling them, Remember who I am. I am the Lord who brought you out of yep. Egypt. He says yep. it over and over and over and over again. And it is tied to a Sabbath day because you put aside everything and you remember the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to decide which scripture I want to uh, pull up, but I, I went ahead. I went ahead and just pulled up um, Leviticus 23 because it, 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 it'll kind of talk about it. So at the beginning of Leviticus 23, uh, G Barry, just so you know, um, he kicks off. Hold on, wait. He kicks off, and he's talking about the, the 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 regular Sabbath, the Sabbath that we know about, right? So he talks about that. But then, as you go down, then he goes into a Passover, and he talk about in the first month, on the fourteenth day, you know, this is the Lord Passover. On the fifteenth day, you must do this, and then on the first day, you must do that. And then, as you can see here, on the first day, you shall have a holy. Uh, 
convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. You know, so that you know, there's another uh, Sabbath. Then it goes into the feast of the first fruits, and it talks about some more days they should be resting and doing Sabbath stuff. Uh, then it talks about the feast of the weeks. Um, so again, if you go back to that slide that I had on my um, screen, you, they had a seven day Sabbath. They had the uh, seventh uh, month, month Sabbath. Yeah. They had yeah, a, yeah. A, a seventh Seven year, year Sabbath. They yeah, wasn't. Mm-hmm. I wish I. I wish I could remember the exact scripture for the seventh year because they even said in there they was like, "Well, how are we gonna eat that whole year?" And God was basically, God was basically like, "He's gonna do. He's gonna bless them so much on the sixth year that they ain't gonna have to do nothing on the, that whole seventh year." Right. Um, so to answer your question, yes, they had multiple Sabbaths they were to observe. Again, Leviticus twenty five eight is oh, yeah. the okay. seventh year Sabbath. Twenty five eight, and you. Yeah. Let's go there. All right. Actually, no. This is the Jubilee. This is the year. This is the one you were. The other one you were talking about. This is the uh, the Jubilee Sabbath. The seventh year, right? Yeah. So the, the Jubilee, the Jubilee, but oh no, 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 yeah. So that's not the one. That's, that's not, not the, the seventh. One. That's not the seventh year Sabbath. This is the forty yeah, ninth year. The forty ninth. The forty ninth yeah. year Sabbath is the Jubilee. But the uh, seven year Sabbath, I, I remember reading it. <laughs> they were basically like, you know, how are we gonna even eat? Like they can't. They couldn't work a whole year. I like how many Christians you know are doing that. I haven't met, but so my, I'm genuinely curious on how do you rationalize not doing that? Because that, that was also a commandment from God. So anyhow, uh, yeah. let's keep going. All right. So look, look, look at, look at math. Like this is the thing I want to bring up is this. Cause I don't believe Jesus ever seen. I believe that the Pharisees one made all these random rules and laws that made the Sabbath day a burden instead of a blessing. And Jesus is trying to set them straight Two, He's also showing his deity and showing, he, you know, that he's God um, and that, that he's authorized to basically do what he want on the Sabbath. I know one verse says my father's still working and so am I, you know, I think it's John five sixteen. It was harassing mm-hmm. about the Sabbath. Jesus reminded him that his father is always working and so is he. So that's another thing. Um, and they had issues with it. And so I bring up these, these scriptures, right, to have, have us ask a question of, could it be that people are forcing the Sabbath just are not really understanding? Could it be that, that, um, that, that you're kind of having a pharisaic type of attitude about, about this, right? And not only that, I bring it up to say this. Out of all these times Jesus violated the Sabbath in their eyes, not once did he tell us the the, the proper way of, of doing it. We, we didn't get a proper prescription like, hey, this is what you actually should do, and this is how you should do it, and this and that. Paul, the apostles, nobody told us how to actually observe the Sabbath nowadays, right? Right. And, right. and, and so it makes you question, like, why is that? Because it was a shadow of things to come, and it's Christ. So, yes, Christ observed the Sabbath because he was an Israelite and because he came to fulfill the law. That's why he did it. But if he wanted us to do it, he would have taught us how to do it, just like he taught us how to pray, just like he taught us He taught us all these things. So, so not only did he not teach us how to observe the Sabbath, he did things that the world thought was the wrong way of doing it on the Sabbath. So just another thing, another data point to think about stuff that Sabbath observers 
don't address when they trying to command you to do it. Right. All right. Another thing they bring up is the Sabbath. You know, they go to Genesis and they say, you know, that the Sabbath was, a was you know, they do this with tithing too, by the way. People do this with tithing too. They'll say, oh, well, this happened before the law. So it's still, it's eternal. We should always do it. But is that, is that true? The Sabbath is not even eternal. The Sabbath right. didn't come to play until the seventh day. So, so we know it's not, we know it's not eternal. It's a ceremonial thing. Not only that, um, um, in Exodus 31, verse uh, 12 through 17, the Sabbath become a sign of the covenant of, uh, between God and the people of Israel. Right. It's a sign. So it's not a moral law like murder and killing and all that. And it wasn't from the very beginning either. You know, God instituted on the seventh day. But what are some other signs? I put it, I put it down here. What are, some, what are some other signs that we have? The rainbow in Genesis 9, 13 through 17. This was a sign. This, this particular sign was made it crystal clear that this was for the entire earth. If you read Genesis 9, 13 through 17, God made it clear it's for all of us, even the animals. And then you got the Abraham, uh, with Abraham, you got the circumcision. That was a sign. We see that in Genesis 17. But then in Galatians, we see that we're no longer required to do it. And then when it comes to Christians, what is our sign? Baptism and communion. So You got a, you got a, you got a good comment from, um, from Cutting Edge. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Let's pull it up. But I wanted I wanted to highlight that. So if you go to mm -hmm. Exodus thirty one twelve, it shows that the Sabbath day is a sign of their of their covenant. And then we got we have other signs of covenants, right? Uh, so uh, let's pull up the comment. All right. Hey, what's up, guys? My understanding is those feast Sabbaths are ceremonial Sabbaths that were done away with, mentioned in Colossians two. I would agree. I would also agree that. The regular Sabbath was included in that. Um, those were different than the Sabbath of Ten Commandments. I, 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 I well, I'll say this. Uh, Mario, let us know in the comments, why do you feel that's different than the, the, the Seventh-day Sabbath? Right. What would be the source, your source? Yeah. Right. What makes that different? Because, hold on, uh, is it, uh, it's Colossians. So let's, let's pull up Colossians. I think it's Colossians 2. Mm-hmm. The verse, I just 17. go to two. Yeah. And then, so let's pull it up and see what it says. Is it seven? 17, eight. Uh, there it is. All right. So let's read it. It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with. And so I think that go to me when I read that, it, I think it talks about what you were saying uh, Anthony about what we eat and food, but also Jesus confirmed that as well um, about it's not what comes in us, but what comes out of us or regard to a festival. So to me, I think festival talks about all those other festivals in Leviticus and yeah. Leviticus 23, all mm -hmm. those Sabbaths that fell under the festival because those Sabbaths were a part of the festivals. So I think that covers all those Sabbaths. And then it says, or a new moon, and then it says, or a Sabbath. So to me, it, it seems like Paul is including all of that, right? It seems like he's including 
all, like he include all of it. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you read about the festive festivals, that's where you get the other Sabbaths. That's where you get the seven month. That's where you get the uh, seventh year. That's where you get the uh, 49th year, the Jubilee. All those are part of the festivals. So then why did he further explain this or a Sabbath? It says, when you read Colossians contextually, it mentions meat, drink, holidays, and Leviticus. It says, those are ceremonial laws dealing with the sacrificial system. Again, I agree, but I believe when Paul, Paul includes them as festivals. When he says, when he says here, um, regard to a festival, those are those ceremonial laws. But then he goes further, and new moon, that's another ceremonial. And then he goes further and say, or a Sabbath. And he says, these are shadows to come. But not only that, not only that, the fact that the fact that we can sit here and say, okay, well, I think he's only talking about the festival. Well, I think he's talking about the, the, the Sabbath. It would it not be wise for Paul to go further and say, oh, by the way, I'm not talking about the seven-day Sabbath. Especially when you got to talk to, you got to understand, Paul was... Um, Paul was uh, commissioned to preach to the Gentiles. So imagine the further you get away from Jewish culture. These people don't have a clue about none of these festivals and Sabbath days and none of that. So why doesn't he never teach you the proper way of doing it, right? And then he says, yes, but different than the Ten Commandments. But I, I, I don't, I, maybe I'm not understanding you, Mario. Like, how is it different than the Ten Commandments? Well, you know, here, let me interject this because I, 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 I kind of get what he's saying, because when you look at it and you look at the, the, the Greek word there, it's really talking about Sabbath in general. And it's talking about, you know, a seventh day Sabbath along with the feast day Sabbath. And here's how I would understand that Paul is talking about Sabbath in general, because in Acts chapter 15, and we all know this. Acts chapter 15, I believe it's verse 28 and 29. Uh, if you could put that up there, it says what the Gentiles were to observe. And so um, when he preaches to the Gentiles, there's a whole different, you know, understanding. And so here it is, Acts chapter 15. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. So these are the requirements for all the Gentiles that are turning to the Lord, that you abstain from what has been uh, sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from uh, what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep uh, yourselves, sorry, from these, you will do well, farewell. And then Paul took this, and he went to every city with these letters, sharing this with everybody. So I believe that he. Th this is what he taught. He did not, he, he would not have been saying, Mm -hmm. um, only the seventh day Sabbath, if that's not included in the council, what they came up with when the Jerusalem council came together, you know, they came up with these rules for the whole church to observe from that point forward, uh, those Gentiles that were turning to him. And so for those Gentiles, I, I believe it's, it's pretty clear that he's talking about the feast, the feast day Sabbath and the seventh day Sabbath, that no one should be judging you on those things. And they came up with these rules and they sent them to all the Gentile churches. Paul hand delivered them to all these uh, churches so that they would know this. And so I, I think that's because I get what what uh, what he's saying, because it doesn't explicitly distinguish right in the text 
which Sabbath he's talking about, but you got to probably take into consideration Paul's whole teaching. And if Paul was at this council, which he was, this is what they, this is what they agreed upon for all the Gentiles turning to the Lord. And again, this is not saying that you can't observe the Sabbath. This is saying that for salvation, the, the, the Sabbath is not required. And so let no one judge you based on these. And so judgment here means condemn you or be able to take away your salvation. And so I think that's, that's the, what's being stated here. Not necessarily don't right. Observe the Sabbath. Yeah. It's just saying, don't let this be the way that you are judged. Right. Yeah. And so, and I hear you. So yeah, I, I, I agree that one definitely don't let nobody judge you on it. It's not a requirement for salvation, but going back to Colossians two, like me personally, I don't see how we can read this and be confused on like, it doesn't matter what Sabbath, like he said, don't let them judge you on a Sabbath. So that to me, any and every Sabbath is don't let them, you know, don't let nobody pass judgment on you. You know, regardless of if it's the seventh day Sabbath, the, the, the festival Sabbath, like either, like either way. And not only that, the word, the festivals are included in that. So, and so those other Sabbaths were, those other Sabbaths were a part of the festivals. So I think that, go ahead. Rico, and think about this too, because the festivals would include um, what we would call, um, what we would say Passover, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's, you know, remember when we were talking about Mother God, they believe that you're supposed to keep the Passover, right? Yeah. And so festival, Passover would be one of those festivals that they had each year. And there was a Sabbath included in that as well. And so I think he's including all Sabbath, all festivals, all new moons. He's yeah. not just talking about only, you know, specific ones. I think he's talking about all of them because he said, he said, because, um, the substance is Christ, that they were a shadow. They were foreshadowing Jesus being the one who then um, fulfills everything that we need. Everything that we need is fulfilled in him. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, this is not saying don't do these things. This is saying let no one pass judgment on you. Exactly. Based yeah. on these things. So what, what are your thoughts on uh, Mario said, let me see. He said he didn't have to mention it because they, did already know about the seventh the seventh Sabbath day? Not the not the Gentiles. Not, yeah, yeah, I, like that to me. I, I not the Gentiles. Like how? Like if, if if that's the case, right? Like if people just magically knew about the seventh day, then we don't have to teach it today either, right? We don't have to talk about it now either, right? Like like what we got to understand is that the further you get away from Jewish living, the people don't know. Right. What's required? Like the the Gentiles, they don't know. They they doing their own thing. They got their own stuff going on, you know. So I mean, I, I suck at geography, so I'm trying to think of somewhere that's far far away from a, you know. But they say down like in China or whatever, in Asia or whatever. When Paul and whoever whatever apostles got down there, how would they know that it's a commandment to observe the Sabbath when God only made that covenant? or that commandment directly to the Israelites. Like that's that, like, I feel like, especially if, especially if, if it's, uh, if it's, if it's possible for us to take a, the mark of the beast, right? If it's possible for us to, uh, if, if the mark of the beast is false worship, 
you would think it would be crystal clear teaching on proper worship. You see what I'm saying? So, so I don't know. I, 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 I just don't, I don't see how Paul could make a statement like he does in Colossians 2 and then not clarify if the Sabbath is still required, you know? All right, so let's keep going. But no, that's a good, I mean, it's a good question now. <clears throat> All right, so I wanted, I wanted to highlight a couple of things, right? And I got, I, I will admit, I will admit, I probably need to do a little bit more deep dive study on this, but I found this coincidental, if you will, right? So in Amos, in the book of Amos, uh, these people were basically just not doing what was, they were taking, they were taking advantage of the, uh, uh, let me see. Yeah, no, no, Mario, definitely keep them coming, man. Like, like, yeah. like, like, yeah. um, um, we, yeah, we can we can uh, agree to disagree uh, again. Yeah, I f further just expound on what you disagree because if I'm wrong, brother, I want to know that I'm wrong. Like if like if I'm wrong, sh sh I, I want to admit the error and my way. So definitely. So my, so my question would be: Are you disagreeing that you know observing the Sabbath and being required to observe the Sabbath? are the same thing because the requirement means that your salvation is dependent upon it. Observing the Sabbath means that you do that, you know, because you desire to. And so I think that's where, you know, um, when we, when we talk about this, I disagree with a, a lot of Sabbath keepers because I don't believe that there's a requirement. I believe that they're, you know, observing it, there is nothing wrong with it. It is a wonderful thing, you know? Um, but when you require people to do that and you're reading scriptures that say you're, it's not a requirement for salvation, you know, I think that's where the issue, you know, kind of gets, gets iffy. So that, that's my biggest thing is that, you know, are we agreeing to disagree that the Sabbath is, you know, a requirement or not a requirement? Okay. He says, no, just to disagree that the, the, the feast Sabbath are different than the Sabbath of the 10 commandment. And you know what? I don't, I don't think that that's, that's an issue. Um, yeah. because the Sabbath of the 10 commandments, the feast Sabbath, no matter what Sabbath it is in the new Testament, that's not a requirement, you know, for salvation. So, yeah. um, if that specific verse is only talking about, ceremonial sabbath and that's how you're interpreting that verse then you know you know that yeah. but at the end of the day as a whole as we saw in acts chapter 15 the requirements sabbath is not one of the requirements for um those that were turning to christ all right so um something else i found interesting doing my study so in uh, amos right um I, i'll just kind of read some of it but i highlighted the pieces that i wanted um that that stuck out it says hear this you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to end saying when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale that we may make the um, oath of. And so he, they, they're basically the people of Amos. They're basically asking when will the, uh, the new moon be over and the Sabbath be over um, basically because they wanted to 
take advantage of poor people, right? But down in verse 9, it says, And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. And so I believe that the Christ, you know, the, the, um, those things were a shadow of things to come and, and, and um, the fulfillment of them will be in Christ. And I just found it interesting or coincidental that, that God said, hey, you know, on that day, when this ends, on that day, uh, I will make the sun go down at noon. And then if you look in the story of Luke, when when Christ was being crucified, you know, by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. You know, again, to me, it just seems like the Bible points towards the old covenant coming to an end and us being under a new covenant, right? Um and then furthermore, it, this is where we get the verse in Colossians 2 where it says, he canceled the record of charges against us and took away by nailing it to the cross. So when Christians say, oh, he nailed the old laws, the old commandments to the cross, this is what they're talking about, right? And it says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And this is where we get to the don't let nobody condemn you on what you eat or drink of the Sabbath. And so, again, I find it coincidental that God said this stuff is going to come to an end. On the day it comes to an end, he's going to have it go dark at noon. And then we see in the, uh, we see here in Luke, when Christ died, that's exactly what happened. And then also, too, in Hosea, it talked about how God's going to take it away as well. So, Again, again, and we and, and we may disagree agree to disagree on this one too, Mario. But here we go again, hearing about Sabbath days being removed. So it says, "But now I will take back the ripened grain and new wine I generously provided each harvest uh, season. I will take away the wool and the linen clothing I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands. I will put an end to her annual festivals, her new moons, celebrations, and her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. So, so, so again, like to me, this further, this, it's just too many scriptures that talked about the Sabbath requirement ending and being fulfilled by Jesus uh, and being a shadow of Jesus. And then there's no teachings of still doing it. That, that's what, that's what makes it so difficult for me. Right. Romans seven tells us we're no longer bound by the law. Right. I mean, again, no, more scriptures on this stuff is not a requirement. Well, what's interesting is like, you like, you know, um, your buddy was saying, is that if you if you took it from the standpoint that people were just supposed to know, right, that you're supposed to do the Sabbath, then they would also just know how to observe it, right? But why does he teach why does he teach on how the church is supposed to come together? Why does he teach specifically on what's the church gatherings are supposed to look like, you know? Um, that there's supposed to be psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that we're supposed to be teaching and admonishing one another and letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly that, you know, when we come together, if somebody's, you know, prophesying that others are supposed to sit by and listen and, you know, if someone speaks in tongues, you need an interpreter. And so he's giving all these rules to the gathering 
but he doesn't give any rules for how to observe the Sabbath. And I think it's, it's clear is because he was taking the gospel to the Gentiles and the Gentiles weren't Jews. And for the Jews, these things were going to stay in place because being a Jew was more than just, you know, the religious part. It was actually cultural, you know, part of being a Jew was these things. And, you know, it's, um, it's more than just observant, you know? And so that was the argument. Does a, a Gentile have to become a Jew in order to be saved, you know, and Acts chapter 15, you know, and I would encourage anybody who struggles with that to go to Acts chapter 15 and look at how they solve this issue. And one of the great witnesses in this particular council is Peter and Peter, Peter out of all people, you know, he probably was the most restrict a strict person that you would run into, you know, remember his dream. He wouldn't even eat any unclean food in a dream. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how strict he was at, at hearing, you know? And so I think that's, that's the key is that I'm, I'm always going to encourage, you know, people to, observe the word of God to observe, you know, the Sabbath. If that's like you said, something they, they want to observe, never tell them don't do that. That's wrong. Right. Um, but what I am going to draw the, the line in the sand about is when you require that for salvation, when you require that as a means um, to be saved, when the Bible is clear about what salvation is and the observance of the Sabbath, is is not a requirement for salvation like i said i've 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 experienced you know the the shabbat you know celebration you know and it's a beautiful thing um it's very enriching you know even you know things like mikvah which is the you know cleansing ceremonies and all that kind of stuff because i used to go and you know with my uncle uh to to the synagogue and you know learn about those things and i didn't know learning about them was going to then help me in the future as I'm reading the Bible to understand some things and to be able to answer some questions about things that like this. And so I I just, you know, I just think that we don't want to, you know, force certain things to be the requirement when they're not. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. uh, I mean, I I completely agree. Like I said, I keep going back to your video on I don't. I mean, I tithe even though I'm not commanded to. You know, I think that just a great well, because it's understanding of it. it. It's understanding it, right? Yeah. Me, me giving a tenth because I desire to, and and I use almost the same argument that some would use to require it, but I feel like those things aren't requiring it. When I think about Jacob, when I think about Abraham, and them tithing, them giving a tenth of all, Jacob, you know, um, vowing that Lord, if you keep me. And bring me back home. Give me food and shelter and take care of me. I will give you a tenth of all. He vowed that, but he vowed that under no pressure, under no law. He vowed that because that's what he desired to do. And God loves a cheerful giver. To me, those things fit together. That if that's your desire, whether it's 10%, 2%, or 200%, right? Or to observe the Sabbath. You know, you do that and you do it wholeheartedly. Just don't turn around and tell somebody because you're not doing what I'm doing, you're not saved or you're not righteous or you're not right with God. That's that's my biggest thing. 
Yeah. No, good point. All right. So, again, all right. So, now I'm about to get into the whole thing because this is where – so, let me kind of share a little bit of my, my testimony a little bit. Like I said earlier on the show, when I first, you know, took my walk with Christ serious, I'll say it that way, right? Um, I also question, well, why do Christians go to church on Sunday? And not yep. on not on the Sabbath day. <laughs> and my pastor, he told me, he was like, well, one, Sabbath has nothing to do with worship. It's about work. It's about resting and work. And so, and then he and he, he, he briefly said, because it's because of Jesus' um, resurrection. We're doing it in honor of Christ, right? Um, but then, in my quest for, to learn and, and read up on myself, I come across uh, this teaching where it was, I don't even remember how where I seen it at, but it was basically like how if you don't, if you're worshiping on Sunday, you're taking the mark of the beast. Or in the future in Revelation, the Antichrist is going to require Sunday worship, and those, you know, those are the people who who have taken the mark of the beast. Those who worship on Sunday, and this is where I got. This is where I really started studying this a little bit more because, like you, Anthony, it was like it's one thing that to say, hey, the Sabbath is good. It's good to rest. You know, it's a blessing. You, It's a blessing to rest. I mean, matter of fact, I love my days off because I need the time off the rest. So I, you know, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to say, but if you're worshiping on Sunday, you're following the false Christ, you are uh, took the mark of the beast, you're not saved. And that's where, that's where, like you said, I draw the line, I get passionate. And, and now it's like, okay, Let's dive a little bit deeper into this thing. And I genuinely want to understand why would somebody think that? Because if it is, if it is true, I definitely don't want to be taking the mark of the beast, right? But what's crazy about it is once you take that, it's it's too late anyway. So anyhow, this is kind of where my understanding from my, from stuff that I saw where where this whole doctrine or teaching had kind of uh, what the rationale behind it, if you will. So the school of thought is that the seventh day of Sabbath is a sign and a sign or a seal of God and his church. Also, the mark of, uh, the, mark of the beast uh, is going to um, be observance of worship on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Um, from my understanding, Ellen uh, G. White teaches this, and I'm going to uh, I actually, if you, if you look at it from my YouTube channel, because I, I don't think I put it on all of them, but I put the links to uh to to the uh writings of Ellen G. White that talks about this, but I'm gonna pull them up here as well. But I put the link so you can go look for yourself so nobody can say I'm lying on Ellen G. White or whatever. But then I think what what it hinges on is interpretation of Deuteronomy six and Revelation. Right? Though so that is where this where where it kind of comes to. And uh, basically to put it to sum it up, you know, God marks his people and then so does Satan. And so Deuteronomy 6 talks about, you know, how God will mark us. Uh, I I think I got it. I'll just pull it up. Um, but that's kind of like the summary of, of how it came, of, of where this comes from. And so, again, here you can see this in um, Ellen G. Wright's teaching of testimonies for the church. In volume 1 and volume 8, in volume 1, uh, she talks about how the decree will go forth and that and that they must disregard the Sabbath of the fourth command fourth commandment and honor the fourth, first day or they lose their uh or they'll lose their lives. So that's where it talks about, you know, um if you don't observe it, 
if, if you if you don't observe, uh, if you actually observe the Sabbath, then you're gonna lose your lives. Um, so um, it talks about it there. You can kind of read it on screen, and then and then volume eight it confirms the whole. It starts off the sign or the seal of God is revealed in the observance of the seventh day Sabbath, and this is why I said earlier it is crucial that we remember what the Bible is saying about the Holy Spirit. And then further along in volume eight, she says the mark of the beast is the opposite of this, the observance of the first day of the week. This mark distinguishes those who acknowledge the supremacy of the papal authority from those who acknowledge the authority of God. And so basically, if you acknowledge the authority of God, you will be observing the Sabbath day. And if you don't, you're going to be observing the Antichrist day, which is According to Ellen G. White, Sunday. But the thing I want to harp on was she says the sign or the seal of God is revealed in the observance of the seventh day. So, question, is the sign or seal, is the, is the Sabbath a sign or seal of God? And it's not. It's the Holy Spirit. And I am going to read these scriptures so I can hammer that in. So we can just put that to rest right now. It says in Colossians I mean, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians verse 1, I mean, chapter 1, verse 21, and it is God who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts and, and as a guarantee. It's the spirit which is, is our guarantee. Ephesians, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 4, 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So just looking at those biblical texts, it doesn't align up with volume eight of testimonies of the church that says the sign or seal of God is revealed in the observance of the Sabbath day. No, it's revealed by you getting the Holy spirit and you get the Holy spirit by believing in Christ. So that's one thing. God Mark versus Satan Mark. So here's Deuteronomy six. And then here's what revelation actually says. All right. So in Deuteronomy six, hear O Israel again, He's talking to Israel, but the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and with all your might. For those, you know, even though he's talking to Israel, Jesus also reaffirmed this in the new covenant. All right. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. So this is where it comes, you know, the arguments that I hear all over the Internet is God marks us by us obeying his commandments in our right hand and our hand and our, and our forehead based off of this scripture. And then Satan mimics that. In Revelation, and this is what it says. And it was allowed to give breath, it being the beast, to an image of the beast, or maybe it's the dragon. I can't remember. But basically, you can read the rest of Revelation to figure out who's 15 talking about. But And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it caused it 
also it causes all both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So a couple of things I want to highlight here. One is that it causes all. So it's not just Sunday worshipers. It's even atheists. It's people who don't go to church. It's Muslims. It's, it's, it's whoever. It's all. It's not just, you know, and then not only that, this mark is going to be so that he can know who can eat and buy or sell. So obviously this mark is not just who you're worshiping and, and serving. And so, but this is where this comes from. And, and as you can see between these two scriptures, like the Sabbath is not even mentioned. So I don't even, I don't even understand how we come to that conclusion, but people do. Another thing, do you have, do you want to say anything about that before I keep going? Nope, nope, you were doing fine. <laughs> okay, so another thing, too, is the argument of who changed the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not changed. And, Never changed. And I wanted, the reason why I wanted to go so deep in this uh, this particular video with these scriptures is because I did see, as I was preparing for this, I saw another video where I'm assuming they were Sabbath worshipers, I mean, Sabbath observers, and they were out interviewing or people who claim to be Christians, which, again... That, that's debatable because if you're not following what Christ teaches, then are you really a Christian? But either way, they were, they were, they were interviewing these people and they were asking them about why do you worship on Sunday and when is the Sabbath day? And, and a lot of these people they were interviewing, you can tell they don't know their word because they were saying stuff like Sunday is the Sabbath. And, and they were giving all these wrong teachings about the Sabbath. So I want to make it crystal clear that, the Bible, Jesus, Christians, we do not believe that Sunday is the Sabbath. Not at all. And if you are believing that Sunday is the Sabbath, then you're believing something that's wrong. Just like me as a airman in the Air Force, if I'm not believing the actual core values of what the Air Force teaches, and I'm, I'm believing something wrong and different. So the Sabbath wasn't changed, and the Sabbath is not Sunday. And as we so we showed in scriptures, the Sabbath was about rest and not worship, unless you count Leviticus 23. And if you do count Leviticus 23, then you must also count all those other festivals and worships and all that other kind of stuff, right? So anyhow, Christians meet up and worship on Sunday to honor Christ, to remember God as our Redeemer. Just like the Israelites take rest on the Sabbath to remember God as their savior from Egypt, That's right. which is why I highlighted that scripture. God told them in Exodus why he told them to observe the Sabbath. And so that's, that's, that's is what it is. And so, um, the, the bottom line is the Sabbath was never changed. Um, but again, we observe on the, on the first day, um, and, and this is where I apologize for last week, where I said last week, I was like, Hey, all over acts, it talks about worshiping on the first day and uh, Mario was right. It doesn't say that all over Acts. It talks about them gathering, breaking bread, the whole nine. And so I, I, I own that. Um, but what it does teach in the Bible is that Jesus rose on the first day that Paul is, Paul instructed them to put money aside on the first day. They gathered and broke bread, um, daily. Also, uh, um, in Acts 20 verse seven, Paul, also preached during that time. So again, if LNG White's teaching is 
is true, why is Paul doing something that is eventually going to lead people to take the mark of the beast? Right? Paul's preaching on Sunday. Why? All right? Especially if it's going to cause folks later on to take the mark of the beast. The Holy Spirit filled Christians Christians on the day of Pentecost was Sunday. I think think you talked about that. Uh, Paul makes it clear when we worship, uh, when we worship the day does not matter if we're doing it to the Lord. That's in Romans 14. And then the first gospel sermon was, was preached on Sunday as well. All right. Again, uh, and we're, we're coming to a conclusion. The, the other point I want to make is this, because this is another common argument that we get. And I, so I'm trying to, like I told you, I did a lot of studying and I, and I, and I'm trying to combat a lot of the stuff that, that, Christians get accused of on um, on social media, internet, the world by all kinds of people, right? And so, with Chris, with with uh, Christmas coming up, Thanksgiving coming up, Easter, you know, I like we get a very similar argument with the Sabbath, right? So here's how it goes: basically, a common argument is that Constantine changed the Sabbath, right? And I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not even debating whether that's true or not. What I am uh, highlighting is that that's an extra biblical source that you got to go to to get that information. That Constantine changed the Sabbath day, right? Some argue, though, that he did it on his own, while others say that the Catholic Church in Rome, and matter of fact, actually there is a a Catholic Church writing that talks about how they changed the uh, Sunday to the Sabbath, and again, if the Catholic people actually believe that, then they're not in align with the Bible. Just, I'm just going to put that out there, right? But many people blindly believe the argument that Constantine changed the Sunday to honor the, the sun God and Christians, we just follow along, right? And again, it may or may not be true. That may be, that may have happened, right? Um, but, but we put a lot of stock in believing this extra biblical source and people quote it and then nobody goes and look at the history. And so I came across this video that has history that counters this. Again, I'm not confirming or denying it, but according to Justin Martyr in AD 140, Christians were observing on Sunday. In AD 200, Christians were observing on Sunday. 8180, Christians were observing on Sunday. 270, again, all of this before Constantine did whatever it is he did. So if you, but what happens is a lot of people who try to condemn Christians for worshiping on Sunday, they use Constantine as an example, but never mention none of these people. Never mention the rest, the other history that's out there that says there's evidence. And matter of fact, if you read this stuff, because I'm not reading it, a lot of what they're saying sounds similar to stuff that's in the Bible. So that's what's, that's what's crazy about it. And so, and so all I'm saying is, when, when, like I have to question people's heart when they give you something and then quickly get off of it and they don't go into further detail. I'm coming to you saying, hey, maybe Constantine did it or not. But just like there's history out there that says he did it, there's histories to say that the church was observing on Sunday before this and before the Roman Catholic did what they did, which is probably why your boy uh, Luther went away from the Catholic church because they started doing some crazy stuff. Yeah, because Constantine, you know, people can say, you know, Constantine, but he doesn't have the authority to change the Sabbath. 
Yeah. And so even if he did, like you said, even if he did, that has nothing to do with being a Christian and all the people who have privilege, uh, who have the uh, ability to pull up Constantine have the ability to pull up this information as well. They yeah. just probably ignored it or pushed it to the side or, you know, didn't want to deal with it. But when you do, you know, a deep dive study on church history, like you said, the Justin Martyr one, 140 AD, that's only about 50 years after Revelations was uh, historically written in um, 80, 90, 95, John would have wrote Revelations. So that's not even too far from the, the first century church. And so for him to already say that they were on Sundays worshiping, where would they have got that from except from the the the, the first uh, the first century Christians were already doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that, you know, when people do that, they, 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 they get a video, you know, or they see something or they already have, like you said, they, they're looking for confirmation bias. And so they're like, oh, yeah, see, that supports what I'm saying. I told y'all, I, I think, you know, when you do, like you said, when you say, let's just research it, let's just look at it and let the let the, the facts give us our information. Then yep. you come out with something different, you know, and yeah. all my studies, I found the same thing, especially this one with Justin Martyr. I thought that was a huge one. I'm glad you put that on there because uh, I think I found a video where he even kind of walked through some of the things be- that they would do in their worship, that they would observe the Lord's uh, Supper, um, that they would uh, say hymns and, and pray prayers. Uh, and so that this is like legitimate. This is what they did. And it's as close to the first century church as you can get. You're yeah. only about 50 years off from you know revelations and 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 let me tell you like i'm not even saying you got to believe this or take this as gospel what what i'm saying is when people try to condemn you with like oh well you're just following what the pagans did and what constantine did and 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 guess when christmas come around they're gonna do the same thing they're gonna quote all this stuff about how christmas uh, started from this day and it started with this and it was pagan and it was that but then there's history that says christian started another way then yeah. same thing with Halloween. They they say Halloween was this, this, that, that, and this. But then there's other things about Halloween. Other people claiming the origins of Halloween that contradicts the typical stuff. And so I'm not saying you got to believe it. I'm not saying I'm not even using it as a justification for you to do it. But what I'm saying is how, why is it that we'll be so quick to believe some random historical fact that somebody throw out there and, and we struggle with believing the Bible? confirmation bias you said it in the beginning yeah <laughs> you know it's just crazy to me man and so like christians when i'm telling you it's it's coming halloween is right around the corner they're gonna give you all these reasons of why we're worshiping the devil right and the origins of it which uh and then they'll tie it into christmas and they'll tie it into easter and they'll tie it in and all i'm saying it may or may not be true but they're going to extra biblical sources to get that information and conveniently ignoring other extra biblical sources that contradicts that information. That's all I'm saying. So just yep. remember that when, when you're listening to certain people, all right. And, and, and you're teeing it up that we will be doing something <laughs> on that subject. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I'll be honest, like when it comes to Halloween, like I don't, yeah. Like guys convicted me on Halloween and, um, 
and so me and my me and my family let some set some ground rules when it came to Halloween. Yep. We um, did that a long it, time ago. So yep. I I would, I would love to dive into that subject as that comes closer. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so I I threw my final thoughts up here, y'all. Uh, we've been going a hot minute, um, but let me just let me just read through these. All, all these final thoughts because I put them down so it can just help me remember. And then Anthony, you can share your final thoughts and we'll wrap this thing up again. When it comes to the question of do we follow the 10 commandments, all commands except the fourth are repeated commands in the new Testament. So yes, follow them. <laughs> all right. Uh, there are no commands to observe the Sabbath in the new Testament. There's not any. Um, no apostles taught on how to and what to do on the Sabbath. So, again, I question how do Gentiles know when they were not commanded by God, the Israelites were. Um, Acts 15, like my man uh, Anthony brought up, they were debating what Jerusalem laws Gentiles needed to keep. And, again, nothing on the Sabbath came up. Uh, Paul seemed to teach that the days don't matter. Although some argue he's not talking about the Sabbath. I acknowledge that because some people don't believe that. Uh, Mario Mario say he, he disagrees with us on that. If the Sabbath, uh if if the Sabbath if Sabbath keeping can get us the mark of the beast, why is this never taught? Uh Christ fulfilled the law and we're under a new law. If you, you want Sunday. to observe the Sabbath, go ahead. You mean Sunday observant. You know, that's what you meant to put. I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant, yeah, if, if Sunday observance can get us the mark of the beef. Yeah, let me correct that. All right. If you want to observe the Sabbath by taking a rest, we are free in Christ to do so. Hear me. I am not telling you not to observe the Sabbath. Don't go off and say Rico told us don't observe the Sabbath. Right. Never all. said not that. Either. I never said it either. All right. <laughs> but um, you are free to do so in Christ, but you are not free to condemn others for not doing the same. It's just, it's just not. And then finally, in Christ, we enter into our final rest. The storm broken woman says Jesus is our Sabbath, right? A rest that Joshua could not fulfill, by the way. You can study that in Hebrews 4 or 9. Uh, a rest from working for our salvation. And guess what forfeits it? Guess what forfeits that rest? Unbelief. It's belief in Christ what saves us. And the Holy Spirit is our seal. What are your final thoughts, Anthony? Man, I agree with, with everything you put up there. And again, I stand firmly on, you know, the beauty of the Shabbat. You know, if you ever have the opportunity to attend the Seder, Jewish Seder or Sabbat, it's a beautiful thing. There's a lot that you can learn about, you know, the Bible and about the Exodus and about, you know, those things. But as far as salvation goes, the feast days, you know, Passover observant, uh, Pentecost, uh, Day of Atonement, you know, um, uh, the seven day Sabbath, the seven year Sabbath, the the uh, the the 49, the year of Jubilee, which is the 50th year Sabbath. You know, those things were beautiful uh, types and shadows of what Christ was going to do and how he's going to fulfill it and how he's going to ultimately be um, our Sabbath you know, that he was going to be our rest. Jesus said, come to me, all that are laboring and heavy burden, and I will give you rest, right? So he, he said that rest was going to be in him. And so we don't observe a Sabbath day. We have a Sabbath Lord. Um, and the Sabbath, you know, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was for man. All these scriptures, 
you know, and like you said, we can read them. Read, and, and again, nowhere are you going to hear me or Rico say that observing the Sabbath is wrong or don't do it. It's, it's, it's not something that we're saying, but what, what we are saying is that the Sabbath is not um, a mark of salvation. It is not the seal of God. The Holy Spirit is. I agree with that a hundred percent because scripture says it, the mark of the beast is going to be a mark and it's going to be a mark giving to given to those who worship the beast and worshiping the beast is, has nothing to do with a day of the week. It's going to be you giving your allegiance to the beast and it's going to be for all, whether you're atheist, Muslim, Christian, whatever, everybody <laughs> is going to suffer um, if they do not take the mark. And so I, I just think that, you know, scripture is clear. And, and again, we've gone through this and we've looked at scriptures. We heard, you know, a few comments. I wish we would have had more people, you know, who were Sabbath observers to to chime in so that we can hear more of the perspective. Um, you yeah. know, and maybe, you know, as this video circulates, we'll get some more comments and things like that, that we can come back and, and take a look at. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm pretty, you know, solid and confirmed that, you know, the Sabbath day is is not a requirement for Christians. The Ten Commandments, you know, we observe them because they're right. They're moral. They're they're just they actually would lead to, you know, better living, better relationships between people, you know, in doing them, but they are not a means to salvation. And so again, we don't want to get those two things tripped up, even though uh, we should observe them. Hey man, brother, I, this was a blessing. I'm not going to lie. Like this, I did tons of studying. I know I, me and Mario talked about this a while ago on doing this. And I, for some reason, I thought we did, but we didn't. We did once save, always save. We didn't do this. And so uh, Mario reminded me that I needed to do this, so I went into deep study on it. And, again, uh, if you look into the descriptions, into the description comment of of, of the Blessed Them on the YouTube channel, because I didn't, for whatever reason, um, I had to go back in and edit it in because I forgot, but I put in links to uh, teachings on Sabbath not being a requirement, and I put in links on Sabbath being a requirement, right? Um, there's this one guy who did a um, reaction to um, John MacArthur's teaching on the Sabbath, and I think he did a really good job, even though I disagree with him. I think he made some really valid points that kind of made me say, okay, I need to study this a little bit more, right? Um, and so um, I do I do this only not to try to win arguments or debates, but to show the importance of reading the scripture, understanding who's God talking to, <laughs> studying the word, because where I do take offense is when it comes to condemnation. Like if we can say, okay, well, I think we're like, like, like Mario did today. He was like, you know, I, we, let's agree to disagree. Like, that's cool. Like there's going to be times we just don't agree on certain yeah. things, you know, but, but where, where I get passionate is when it's like, oh, you're going to hell if you don't follow this. Are you got the mark of the beast? If you don't follow this, are you now? Those are some strong accusations. Now we got to figure out if it's right or wrong, because if yeah. I'm going to hell because of it, then I need to correct it. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, if, if 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 my salvation is at stake, then I need to correct it. And I just don't see it biblically teaching teaching that. Um, so, uh, hey y'all, if y'all enjoyed this content, then like it, subscribe. Um, we yeah. are for the first time we are able to go live and hear comments from my channel 
and uh, Anthony's channel. So, hey, if you're, if you're not subscribed to Anthony's channel, go, man, the brother be preaching, man. He be preaching, y'all. And vice versa. Tell I'm you. on there with Rico, man. So, so <laughs> bless the money. <laughs> yeah, so definitely subscribe, share it. You know, the only way people are gonna know about this is if we if we uh, show the algorithm that it's of value. So I appreciate all y'all, and with that, be blessed. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace in Jesus' name. <laughs>